Go ahead, kid. You're fucking sneaky bastard. I'm gonna take you to work. I'm gonna nail it to the wall. I'm gonna crush your boils in a meat grinder. I'm gonna cut off your arms. I'm gonna shove them up your eyes. Dirty summon a bat, my own club. to another edition of Sin Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me is Mr. Jeffrey X. Martin. Hello, everybody. How are you, sir? Good. How's everybody? I just ate, so my blood sugar is like normal. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I appreciate you uh, not keeling over halfway through yeah, the podcast. Right? You know? I said I kind of out of it on the last show, but no, I'm, I'm actually uh, aware at this point. Damn diabetes. Come on now. <laughs> it's a bitch, man. I'm telling you, man. Ask Brimley. No kidding. He's angry all the time. Enough oatmeal in the damn world to fix that shit. Between aliens and Ewoks, he's fucked in the ass either way, you know. <laughs> oh, next up, <laughs> our, the, the better half of this podcast, the better third of this podcast, Miss Jamie Jenkins. How are you, girl? I'm doing okay. How are you guys tonight? Fine. See, now I sound sad. I'm doing great. <laughs> And special guests back. Uh, well, he's back. This is his third t- third appearance on this show. He's a member of the Skeleton Crew. He is the leader of the Exploding Heads podcast, and also one third of the ABCs of Hidden Horror podcast. Mister Dave Zendano, how you doing, sir? Hey, hey, great man. Glad to be here. Holy shit, it's been a minute. It's been a while, yeah. Yeah, buddy. Damn. Wow, three times. Oh shit. I didn't realize. Yeah. yeah I guess it is three, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the early, early episode, then the um, Guilty Pleasures episode with the UN. We UN was mm-hmm. all. Yep. And then this one. Wow, nice. Let me ask you a question. Is this the biggest group ever assembled for uh, for Cinema Beef? Five people? Might be tied, I think. It's pretty, pretty close, though. Okay, well, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you, sir. Thank you. And uh, he's making his very first appearance. Uh, he's doing a great show, you guys shall. Well, he does two shows. He's uh, the leader of... Uh, <laughs> Of a great panel of gentlemen, known as the Geek Chat Army, and a show you guys should also be all be listening to as well, known as Cinema Psyops. 
You're joined by Court Syabs. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad to be here with everybody. I'm really stoked. I've uh, been listening to a lot of you guys' shows for quite a while now, so I'm really honored just to be amongst uh, podcasting legends, actually, in my belief. I'd like to say we'll humble you, humble you but uh, that's that's something the Sheik does, and I'm not I'm not with that. You know, I, I leave it to one guy, you know. <laughs> it would take a lot to humble me, though. Okay. Well, we're glad to have you, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm super excited. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, I had a little bit of a, a run-in, but uh, I'll save that for the beef segment that's coming up on the show. Fair enough. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I'm super excited. I love all three of the movies we're going to be talking about tonight, so I'm, I'm really glad to be here, guys. It was great to have you. Uh, we'll leave to this next. We'll start with you. What have you been watching lately? You mean besides the stuff that I've been watching for the show here? Yes, besides that. <laughs> Um, just been actually catching up with the new version of The Flash that's on, uh, just hit Netflix not too long ago. Um, I'm really apprehensive about the sort of CW comic book TV shows and, you know, the, the DC actually universe movies as well, but I've really enjoyed The Flash TV series. I'm a lot of little like fan service winks and nods to not only the nineties version of The Flash TV show, but also just like some of the stuff in the comics. Uh, hardest part with watching it is I'm watching it with my wife and, Every time I see a little something that I recognize as, you know, that's like a hint of something to come, like a cage that got broke open that's labeled Garad, I have a hard time not spoiling what's about to happen because I just get like this total nerd glee and I'm like, yay! So I've been really enjoying that. Smart gorillas make me happy too, see? Yeah, and Gorilla Garad's uh, one of his best opponents, so I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm hoping that's going to pop up soon. I'm really stoked for that. Um been catching up on uh and watching the from dust till dawn tv series uh, i guess that's from el ray but i've been watching it on netflix as well i think that's really actually been quite good I, i'm kind of surprised there's a few things here and there that i feel kind of like those they do a lot of those like bottle episodes where they're trapped in a room or they have to do something like that but other than that the grew and gore is actually pretty interesting and uh it delivers on a lot of stuff so i'm pretty happy with that show so far and of course, there's always Better Call Saul. I was a huge Breaking Bad fanatic, and I'm uh, I'm totally in love with Better Call Saul because I loved Saul Goodman. So getting to see him like rise to the scumbag lawyer that he's going to become, that's going to be really awesome to see. And every little episode, you kind of see a little bit more of how he becomes who he is once you see him in that's Breaking a, Bad. Bob Odenkirk, right? Yeah, yeah. And I loved uh, what was it, Mister Show with Bob and Dave? Oh, I was yeah, a huge was. fan of that. So you know, watched a lot of that myself. Yeah. So seeing, uh, and I've always, anytime Bob Odenkirk pops up in anything, I've always really enjoyed him. I think he's hilarious. Kung Pao, love that shit too, man. Yeah, that's a good you one. It's fun. <laughs> um, anything else? No, I think that's about it. <laughs> okay, cool. Dave Z, what you been watching, man? Oh boy, I'll tell you what. Just about everything I've been watching has been for a podcast, one or the other. I, I'm watching. Four movies for uh, the ABCs, which we're doing Sunday. I'm watching these three movies here. I'm watching two for Exploding Heads. I, I saw The Witch three times at the at the movies, mind you, which is ridiculous, but I did it. Uh, and uh, I just finished watching like so many movies. I mean, we did we're doing we did a thing. We recorded it the other day, but on the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast, I, I guest starred on it, and we did our top tens from the year 2002. So I watched like like 30 some odd movies from 2002. Now, I did all this in like a matter of 45 days. So all those movies, plus all the podcasts, other podcast movies, 
and everything else. It's just been it's been crazy. It's been a real uh, it's been a haul. But aside from the movies, I got to catch up on the new ones on the the new uh, shows. The uh, we just watched Walking Dead and Damien and Bates Motel last night. So, what's your assessment of those? Uh huh. Walking Dead's okay. I'm still a little spun from some of the shit they did this season, but uh, I'm still on board, just not as thrilled as I was a year ago. Um, Bates started off with a bang, so that's pretty cool. And Damien, interesting start, but too early to tell what's going to happen with it. Gotcha. But everything else is going to be, it's all podcast stuff, so I'm going to be rambling about it on numerous podcasts, so I don't want to bore everybody and do it here and then do it again there, you know? Gotcha. <laughs> you know how you feel there, Dave. Right. <laughs> That's been like my whole life since I started both of the podcasts, so I totally feel you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the lovely Jamie, the lovely, lovely Jamie. We've been watching Girl. Um, I haven't really been doing a lot of watching lately other than podcast stuff, which I've got a lot to do this week because um, we're doing this show and then, of course... Uh, Hidden Horror, and I'm also recording Devour this weekend, um, uh, which I know if you listen to the last episode of Devour, now you're, you're going, what? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I spun around a bit myself. Right. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. last week? What the you're, a, you're a liar. Um, no, we didn't pull a skeleton crew. This is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian, Brian, the hell. Um, Bo has... Uh, his suggestion was that we do a quarterly show because after we finished recording that last episode, it had been so long since we all recorded together, and I guess everyone was okay with us ending the show. And then when after we recorded together, no one was really happy about it. So he suggested that we do a quarterly show just to kind of talk about what's new as far as what we've been watching recently, what we would recommend, what we would say avoid, things like that. You know, Not a full... Um, I mean, not the exact same format that we had previously, but um, just you know, I actually I don't, I'm, I'm kind of talking out of my ass right now because we're doing this for the first time this week, and I have no idea what we're gonna do. But um, <laughs> um, anyway, so he contacted us last week, and he's like, "Hey, you guys want to do the first quarterly show?" And I was like, "God damn, the the last show hasn't even dropped yet, <laughs> but uh, it has actually been a long time since we recorded it." And David just now got around to putting it out. So anyway, long story short, there will be some devour on occasion. It's just not going to be what it was before uh, or as regularly as it was before back when it was regular. Um, anyway, I'm not, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I am, however, going to see uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane tomorrow morning. And I'm super, super excited about that because I love going to the movies. So I'm looking forward to that one. Other than that, I've been kind of buried in wedding plans, and it's about to drive me insane. Mm. Someone may die. I don't know. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> just It wouldn't be on purpose, but just, just someone may not make it through this a lot. Be the one that says, I object. Shut up, Gary. No, I wouldn't do that to you. No. <laughs> Oh my god! They still do their weddings, or they say, yeah, "Does anybody do. object?" Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Has anybody ever been to a wedding where someone did object? Not, not I. Man, no. I want to just once, but no. No, I haven't. I've been to a wedding. I was in a wedding once. I was a bridesmaid in a wedding where the sister who was the maid of honor threatened to object, 
because she didn't like the groom. Wow. Um, this must be a Southern thing or something. And, <laughs> well, this, they were just uh, Southern or not. These people, I should tell you about this wedding sometime. This whole thing was a hoot. But um, anyway, it, uh, she ended up not, but uh, first she was going to object and then she was just going to not show up at all. And at the last minute, she ended up showing up and one of the other bridesmaids didn't, but uh, it was just a, that whole thing was a mess. But no, I've never actually been to one where someone followed through with a with an objection. Yeah, you always see that on to, TV. I was going to say, Dave, the easiest way for you to actually get to a wedding where someone does the objecting is just do it yourself. Just object just for the sake of having it done. <sighs> you know, one of these days when I'm older and bitter and don't give a fuck anymore, then, then maybe I'll do it. Just as a joke, though, you know, not just, you know, I couldn't object unless it's my daughter, maybe. But, you know. Well, Maybe someday. If you're older, you could also just blame it on senility, too, or something along those lines, because old people can pull that all the time and get away with it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just won't give a fuck when I'm older, because, you know, who cares? You're old, you're, 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 you're done, you're retired. Who cares what people think of you at that point, right? Oh, shit, I'm like that now. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there's always dementia to kick in. It's coming. They think you can walk around with no pants on, nobody cares. Oh, just dementia kicking in all again, you know. You can just I'm be not- like Sophia. Say whatever the fuck you please. That's pretty much how I am now. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah, why wait for old age? Just live free or die. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Martin, what have you been watching, sir? Well, I've learned that we're all old as fuck already on this show, so that's awesome. Um, <laughs> God, what have I been watching? I also am going to see 10 Cloverfield Lane tomorrow night, so I'm looking forward to that. I got to see the Turkish horror movie Baskin which comes out in theaters and on VOD in a couple of weeks. <clears throat> and you you should watch that. Is it about ice cream? It is not. I don't even know what Baskin means in relation to the rest of the film, because it's, it it's fucking Turkish. I don't know Turkish. Is it, is it a Turkish remake of Big? Jesus, no, <laughs> it's not about Josh. <laughs> Damn. But no, it's it's really good. It's, it's, it's really kind of hard to... Uh, to explain, let's just say it, it kind of takes that nightmare kind of logic that you see in some movies, and it goes to 11. Is it Robert Loge's ghost? Because that would scare the fuck out of me if it was an old Robert Loge's ghost, you know, just telling me bad things or something like that. You know? the fuck out of me, too, but no, it's it's not that. These are all very good guesses. By God, keep them coming. I feel like I'm on the $100,000 pyramid. Um, okay. <clears throat> things a Turkish guy would say. Um what else did I... Oh, I watched a documentary called Children of the Stars. Oh, who are you kidding? We're old enough to remember when it was the $10,000 pyramid. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, a weird bug. It just fell off of my head and onto my face. Okay. You have bugs in March? Wow. It's 73 degrees here, bro. Yeah, I got bugs in March. Good for you, buddy. Wow. <clears throat> but yeah, yes. Children of the Stars is about this... The cult that started the it's the Urantia cult, and basically they believe that science fiction movies are simply psychic uh, resonations of past lives, so that all science fiction movies are actually real. Well, I'm one of those believers that Soylent Green may actually happen, so they're not 100 percent wrong. Oh yeah, know. I'm I'm not saying they are, but they're waiting for their space brothers to come back. That's a lot, but you know, <laughs> go for it. Continue. Um, they have a person in their mythology named 
Tarantus, not Tyrannus, Tarantus, who was like the main evil guy in the universe, and he looks just like Ming the Merciless. Nice. Yeah, so this is a really interesting group of people. They're in El Cajon, California. If anybody's out that way, stop by and, you know, live long and prosper. That's pre- And that's been pretty much it for, for me. Oh, this is the last ever recorded, and I have to remember a couple things, but, you know, one of the, I guess, one of the big things I watched is that I got sucked down the nostalgia, shame, spiral rabbit hole known as Fuller House, and I watched all of it because I couldn't help myself, I guess, you know? And let me tell you, it's it's one of those things where it's not very good, but if you were my age and you were home on a Friday night, it's just something you did. It's something you watched was, was Full House and the rest of those shows, and I got sucked in pretty fast to the show. Not that I was enjoying myself, just, you know, it's kind of like uh, a visit to the doctors. You have to, like sit until it's over with, but I, I I I just kept watching them. It's 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 like those little fun sized candy bars. You know, you don't want to eat the whole bag, but you're sitting there, but you just keep on fucking eating them. And you know, it's it's, it's one of those uh, impossible addictions. I think I was sucked in by the size of um, Stephanie Tanner's assets from now on. I guess I'll call them because oh, you know really? it's one of those people you haven't seen in a while, and then all of a sudden, because I seen her at a Comic Con. She, she, I guess she was pushing the, the push for this show, I guess, and I had to take a double take, and she's she's very well endowed now, and I'm only a man. I had to, like, it's like staring at the sun or something, you know, but she's, uh, she's, she, she turned into quite, well, they all, they all aged well. Damn. Dude, I remember the last season of Full House, Kimmy Gibbler and Stephanie were hot, and I don't think it's a bad, I think, you know, they were 20 or something at that time, so it's it's not bad to say. But I remember that. That that was like wow. Because I used to, when I was a kid, I used to think that DJ was the cutest one. Then they got up and they and get Kimmy Gibbler. I never thought she was attractive. But by the time they reached that last season, I was like, wow, look at these girls. But no, dude, it was all it's all Kimmy. It was always all Kimmy. Oh, you've always been about Kimmy. Oh yeah. Wow, nice. Yeah, ever since TGIF days, man. Yeah, the new thrill ride, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> It's fun. I mean, I, I think that the, the kids, the, the the new generation of kids, because basically if Danny Tanner had a vagina and became, you know, DJ Tanner, you know, and she had three boys instead of three girls, that's the whole premise of the show. And Stephanie is, is um, Joey and, and uh, no, no, it's my fault. She'd be Uncle Jesse and Kimmy would be Joey because she's not related, obviously, you know. And they all live in the house together, and if you like that sort of thing, and you want, like, kooky family comedy, I guess you could binge watch it on Netflix like I did. I, I'd give it uh, a slow recommend if, if you want that nostalgia factor in you. And go for it, I guess, you know. And that's my push for Full House, like it needs it. I mean, John Stamos is rolling, r- rubbing his balls all over that television show. Oh, man. What else? That's not Fuller House. <laughs> I watched Spotlight. Uh, that was a thing, and that was... Uh, it was decent. I, I don't think it deserved one best picture, but it, it, it did. Yeah, because I think other films have tackled the subject matter better. But this was more the the investigation of the the, the, the news team investigating the story, and I, I could see that angle of it being good, but not as 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 more as entertaining as other aspects of it. Um, I watched the Last Dragon with Willis uh, for for two chicken room commentary for for his birthday. And, um, something else. This is, this is hard for me sometimes. I didn't really watch any new TV because I'm, I'm, I'm slow on the uptake. That's why I listen to evil episodes because not, not that I love those people. It's just, I don't want to hear a lot of spoilers about shows I haven't watched yet. 
say, you should watch Lucifer, you should watch this, you should watch that. I'm like, oh, well, I'm just kind of behind, and, you know, it's it's kind of there. We never said you should watch Lucifer. <laughs> I, I hear it's decent from, from people you whose know, opinions I respect. Okay, I, I actually like Lucifer himself, but having Satan escape hell and come up here to be, like, an investigator with the local police department is not really something that I... <laughs> was hoping they would do with that show uh, just being the the inside man it's, where, 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 it's i don't know it he's a good character and i love the actor but the show has gotten nowhere to go it's so sad isn't that based on a sandman comic or a spinoff of sandman uh, i have no idea yeah they, they they should just make dry banger into a tv show because that, that had me sold from the opening credits it's based off of a vertigo comic i think but not necessarily a sandman comic or maybe he was in with Sandman or something like that. I just I know that the Lucifer Maybe character... Maybe he entered the, Sandman. Yeah. The, the, I know that Lucifer character does have something to do with the DC <laughs> Vertigo universe, though, yeah. Did he enter Night and Exit Light? <laughs> I, I'm just curious, man, because he's guy asked the, the, tough, the tough questions, you know. I don't know. I'm, I'm lame. I can't help these things. Well, I came really close to doing a James Hetfield yeah scream right there when you said that, so don't feel so bad. Mm, that's okay. <laughs> As, well, as long, is, as long as, is poor X not getting credit for the inception of that joke? Because he, he said what he said on purpose. I got your back, buddy. You got to laugh out of Jamie. See, that works out. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, if I'm just going to subconsciously plant jokes into your all psyche and then let you all run with them, I guess that's that's my role. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just chucking that lasso of uh, insanity at us, huh? <laughs> We got we got to run with it. No, I'm playing. I, I, Somebody has it. to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Yeah, besides that, I'm sure there's other stuff, but I I, I forget things because uh, my head brain don't work so good sometimes. All right. Oh, but, all but, but but besides Blackhawks hockey, which is awesome because you know this time of year, my nipples get extra perky when Blackhawks are playing hockey because it's the playoff run and. Yeah, we live, we live we love sports here in Chicago, especially my especially my Blackhawks. So, so that they now Actually, become an original and extra perky. Uh, the, well, they, they are an original six team, but you know they they get a, they get uh sometimes erect depending on the the point of the game. You know, uh, whatever. <laughs> okay, we're making Let's, inner Sandman jokes and KFC jokes already. So, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah, as I was going to say, we're off until the show starts. Well, we're going to do now our beefs of the week. Dave Z, do you have any beefs of the week, sir? Oh, fuck. Um, do I have any beefs of the week? Anything pissing you off? Anything at all? Lay it on the table. Uh, I, I've, cl- I've complained enough on Facebook, actually, about these assholes and their fucking politics. I'm <laughs> so fucking over. Dude, for two years, I have been blocking feed, blocking feed, blocking feed, playing nice, not talking, not responding, not acknowledging nothing, but it's like every time you block one, it's like three more pop up. It's like a fucking disease, a rash of fucking political memes, and just ugh. and it doesn't even matter if I agree with them or don't agree with them. I'm just tired of it from both fucking ends. So I, I've decided just to stop 
following everybody, even the people that I love that I kept on there at the end. I'm like, man, 90% of what you say I love, but then you put that shit up there, and I'm like, I don't want to hear it. So I've been so cool and calm and everything, and finally, I just said yesterday, I announced it. I said, you know what? Fuck you. And I usually don't drop an F-bomb on Facebook, not in the public, in a group, yeah. but And I was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm done. I'm unfollowing all you people. I don't want to hear about your politics. Who gives a fuck who you're voting for? It's a secret for a damn reason. Who gives a fuck? Has anybody ever changed anybody's mind? Ever? What the fuck are you doing, you dizzy motherfuckers? It's it's no secret in Illinois. If you're if you're not a Democrat, you're a racist. So you know that that's all that is. Fuck them all, every one of them. And uh, yeah, that's my beef for the week. I... <laughs> Let me take a sip of vodka. Holy fuck! Oh, I'd like okay. to tell you about my candidate uh, Cthulhu. Would you mind voting for him? <laughs> Why choose the lesser evil, Dave? That's right. It's still evil. You're right. I can get behind Cthulhu. At least he's up front with what he's going to do with us once he's in power. Sign me up. It is Lovecraftian after all, yes. Gotta love that. You can pick the crazier of evil and pick Gary Busey for your candidate and, you know, he'll say inspirational things to people and hopefully turn their lives around and stuff. Oh, I just can't wait till it's all over. I cannot wait until this fucking election is over. Oh, my gosh. Whew. Oh, Trump! Trump's in Chicago tomorrow. I'm, I, I, like I said, I, I want to go down there and just poke the casual Democrats. Just poke them. <laughs> Because I, I know there's actual Democrats out there, and then you have casual Democrats, and then, you know, those people are going to be there in abundance protesting Trump. I just want to, more like a sandwich board, like, nothing but a sandwich board my tidy whities with, like, pro-Trump things, and then try to get a selfie with Trump just to piss people off, you know? I, I, I like to stir the pot sometimes, and I, I apologize for that, you know, but that's just by nature, people, and, you know... So do casual look, look, Democrats wear jeans on Friday? <laughs> oh, they were jeans on Friday, white after Labor Day, socks with sandals. That's that's the the, the third ones that pissing me out the most. The socks with the sandals. Come on now. Socks with the sandals. Yeah, when you get older, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> then nobody pays it any mind. They just go, oh yeah, he's old. It's all right. Right. It's like I said before. It's like objecting at a wedding. When you're old, you can do shit. But when you're young, you know, you want to kind of stay somewhat hip and in the know. But. Yeah. yeah, the so, weird, mean, and awful stuff you do when you're young is actually permissible and cute and kind of charming when you get old. I'm counting on it. <laughs> I wasn't saying you specifically, Dave. I just meant you as in, like, people. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was not a personal attack, sir. That's <laughs> okay. So, Gary, are casual Democrats the same thing as rhinos? Is in. What's 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 the rhino besides a guy, a grown man who wears a onesie and, and gores people? <laughs> Gore! No, no, not, not not Rhino Richards. No, um, <laughs> rhinos are Republicans in name only. You never heard that that phrase? No. Yeah, like people that say they're Republicans, but you know, it's the, you know the only rhino we know here in Chicago is Ryan Sandberg from the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, all I'm saying. there you go. Who would do that? Who would pretend to be a Republican? I, you know what? I think that they, they, they get guilty. It's like pretending to be a murdering pedophile. Just for, <laughs> <it's illegal. laughs> it's true. And like the Republicans get mad at them. They call them rhinos. They're like, you're pretending to be this. I think they're guilted into being Republicans because of their family or some other reason or whatever. But it, it, at the heart of it all, they're really not. Because you, know, you talk to them and you find out, well, they're really not such a 
you know, they're not so into it. I don't know. <laughs> I thought everyone knew that term, rhino. No, I had no idea till now. Uh, I used to pay attention to to politics, and now I just I learned it was a waste of time, and now I just hate it all. So it's, but yeah, rhino. What, you'll, maybe- what you'll learn about Dave is 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 that he is either one extreme or another. <laughs> he doesn't do anything half ass or just a little bit. It's like I used to watch trailers for every movie that came out. Now fuck him! I don't watch any trailers at all. <laughs> That's right. There's so, never so you, any you, ground with Dave. You're right. It's true. I'm very decisive. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I even used to have road rage for fucking years, and I no shit. One day, I told myself as I was driving and raging, "What the fuck are you doing? This isn't making anything better. Stop." And since that day, it's been about twelve years. I never road rage at all. And I'm peaceful as can be on the road. Just, just like that, I changed my whole fucking perspective. Well, Jamie, Jamie claims I get mad about everything, you know, as far as films go, you know. I didn't, if I don't like so I say, fuck that shit, you know, because that's, that's just how I feel. There's no middle ground or anything. <laughs> Your opinion matters, but it's not very important. That's all I'm saying. Because <laughs> I think The Innkeeper is a shitty movie. I'm sorry, people. And if you love it, you know, more power to you. But they, they, there you go. I still have to watch House of the Devil. It's on, it's on the bucket list, okay? But I'm going to stick it to court next. What is your beef of the week, sir? Or beefs? Uh, well, I got one major one that kind of happened to me. People that park right in front of the fucking door in the part of where people are supposed to be walking in and out for a grocery store or like a Walmart or any of those kind of like bigger stores. And they just fucking park right square in the middle so your car can't get around them. And they're just parked there, just resting for no fucking reason other than whoever was in the car or driving it was too lazy to actually park because they're only going to be a few minutes. And you know, it's always there forever. The lights are always flashing. Or even the ones that just kind of pull up onto the sidewalk where people are supposed to be walking right in front of the store. I don't know if this happens anywhere else or if it's just a phenomenon here in Omaha. But I had this guy doing that where he's just blocking the fucking lane where I'm trying to just basically get to the grocery store to get something to eat for the night. You know, for me and my wife. And I can't get around the guy. I'm stuck behind him and all these people are trying to walk around his car. I can't fucking back up. And I just start beeping at the guy. And the next thing I know, I'm getting involved in like a a little bit of an argument there in the store, and it was this really weird, surreal thing to be in a parking lot arguing with a guy to move his car that it shouldn't be parked where it is. I just, I don't know, it fucking drives me nuts. Well, he's people... the only one that matters. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously. And, I mean, yeah, I admit, I have, sometimes I have a little bit of a, not necessarily rage issue, but, I mean, I'm pissed off at night when I have to go to sleep because I don't want to go to sleep. I want to stay awake. When I wake up in the morning, I'm pissed off because I don't want to wake up. I want to stay asleep. You know, I have one of those things where it's like uh, whatever state I'm at, I don't want to move. I don't want to just change what's going on for that particular moment. And, you know, having something like that happen, it just pushes that button. And I'm just instantly accessing my rage right there. And I kept my cool. You know, I didn't get out of my car, even though, like, he got out of his for some reason, I guess. But luckily, whoever it was that he was fucking waiting on showed up and got in the car and kind of got him calmed down. And I didn't have to have any further of an altercation, but... I fucking hate that shit, and it, it happens all the time out here. Especially, I don't know what it is, but like the grocery store up the street from my house, that's how people park. <laughs> they just park right in front of the door. Ridiculous. Crazy, man. Yeah, oh. They should be fucking ticketed. They should be treated like parking in a handicapped spot is treated. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah, handicapping spot. It should be ticketed just that way or what have you, but... And a lot of the grocery stores here, after a certain time at night, you'll actually have a cop patrolling the, the store, kind of keep an eye on it, because some of them are 24 hours. 
So they'll have like not necessarily an off-duty policeman, but they'll have somebody there that kind of keeps an eye on the store, particularly like, uh, you know, if it's like a busier street or whatever. And this was the right time of night to where that officer should have been there, you know, starting to show up when this was occurring. So <laughs> I wish it would have been something that uh, that guy could have dealt with. So I didn't have to get my hackles up. What am I, 75 hackles up? What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> hackles. We're aging by the minute on this show, I think. Holy fuck. <laughs> Back in my day, we used to respect parking spots. Oh, I'm sorry. How's your, how's your dander, Court? <laughs> is your dander up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, I don't, if I don't settle down, I'm going to get a case of the vapors. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jamie, do you have a beef this week, girl? You know what? I didn't. And then Court started talking. And now I do. And n- not him. No, no, not him. Oh, no, 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 no. I was like, no. you were talking about killing people earlier, and I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? No, no, no. You just reminded me what pissed me off multiple times this week, and it's people who drive in the goddamn turn lane. Look, if you are trying to merge into traffic and you're in the turn lane, like you've just turned out of somewhere into the turn lane, and you're trying to merge your way in. Don't get pissy with me because I'm driving and you can you drive it along beside me and you can't squeeze in. Stop fucking moving. And then when there's a break in traffic, get your ass over. That's what it's for. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I think all motorists would benefit from a hacksaw Jim Duggan esque two by four in the car. Just to wave it around every once in a while. What the fuck is with that? Why do people drive in the goddamn turn? I don't understand. Be the fuck still. Wait your goddamn turn. Hmm. Their time is more important than yours, apparently. Yes. Oh, also, I hate it when people put on their brake, like, pretty much come to a full stop before they get into the turn lane. It's like they're going to get into the turn lane, so rather than getting into the turn lane and then coming to a stop to wait to turn, they come to a stop in the driving lane and then decide, oh, I'm going to get in the turn lane now, and then I'm going to turn. Get the fuck over there before you stop. Get out of my goddamn way. All these things, if people would do them, traffic would flow so much easier, and I wouldn't have to be upset all the time. Yep, it's a losing battle, though. It's like what I said before about me and road rage. I don't even let them bother me anymore because I come to expect it. Like, nothing can happen in traffic now that I don't, I don't expect anymore. I'm just like, yeah. I don't even beep. You know how most people honk, someone, honk their horns if they get cut off or this or that? I don't even do that anymore. I'm just like, I just shrug my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. It's a normal day, you know? My- Somebody get off my lawn moments is at this show, I swear. You know what? Jamie? I'm like, Jamie? I'm 36, and I am actually screaming get off my lawn to people. <laughs> I fucking do it all the time. <laughs> How are Michigan drivers compared to Georgia drivers? Sons of bitches. Oh, my <laughs> God. I, I have driven in L.A. I have driven in Manhattan. Hell, I've driven in all the New York boroughs. I have driven in every major city between here and there. And never have I ever experienced the amount of asshole drivers that I have experienced right here. And this isn't even Detroit. I mean, it's not like this is a big city. This is just a town, but all these surrounding areas, everyone here is so entitled and just, they don't give a shit. I mean, they will come. I was in a turn. Oh, I was getting off the freeway the other day, and there was one lane, one lane to get off. And I was waiting to turn into uh, off the freeway, like off the ramp into traffic. 
this bitch comes from behind me, goes around me, and cuts me off, almost hitting the person that was coming. The reason that I couldn't turn was that there was a person coming, and she almost caused them to hit her by just coming around me. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, who does that? But I have never in my life experienced the amount of assholes that I have since I've moved here. It is crazy. Must be something about the Midwest, because uh, here in Omaha, it's pretty much the same thing. The other day, I saw somebody use a left turning lane to pass somebody. I shit you not. <laughs> yeah, that happens here, too. And yeah. I, I, I don't know what it is with these people. I'm, but like I said, all over New York, I've driven. All over L.A., I've driven. Atlanta. Well, I mean, just whatever. And traffic there just goes, you know? I mean, they make up their own lanes and shit. Like, if you're driving in Brooklyn, if you're driving in Manhattan... Um, Dave, you know, um, they you know, they'll make up their own shit. They'll just go wherever they want. But it has it's like uh, there's a method to its madness. There's a it just when you're in it, it just makes sense. And here it is completely different. I, it, it's crazy. I, and I thought the Midwesterners were supposed to be so nice. They are till they get behind the wheel. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, and and Brian's like, well, it is the Motor City, and I'm like, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> Mr. X, you got any beef, sir? You know, I I, uh, I hate to bring this up because it just shows some stupidity on my part, which means that I got into a a small internet argument, and but it's it still just kind of chafing me. So yeah, I guess I have a beef. Now, this is probably this is probably people that we know. So if they listen to this show, sorry, dude, I'm still think you're wrong. Um, is this the witch related? You. No, it is not the witch related. <laughs> I won't even argue with those people, please. No, it was about, of all people, fucking Kim Kardashian when she sent out that nude selfie, which, what's up with the sensor bars? That's that's not even a nude selfie. It's not. That's that's a, that's pieces. It's like, oh, wait, is that what the real picture looks like? Yes, they have. Yeah, like, that oh, what? That was oh. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what the fuck? I thought if you went to the, the the website or wherever it initially came from, you'd see a real nude. No, they have automatic sensor bars now, because thanks, Grandma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they were talking about her on, on a friend's page, and this person that I won't name, who probably listens to the show. Anyway, he said that Kim Kardashian was damaged goods. Because oh, God, I saw that. Because once you've had a kid, it's curtains for your sexuality. Curtains for your sexuality. Oh, I, I almost threw up. And I'm sorry, dude, if you're out there, because I, I, I agree. I think he does listen. Um, <laughs> and I have... And typically, it's, not that I, it's not that we don't have science on our side on this, too. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, this is your beef. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut in. But it just... No. I was like, what the fuck is that? I mean, I have not had children. Thank goodness. Um, because I'm still intact sexually, I guess, since, since I've had no children. <laughs> wow. I am okay. Thank um, God. Because once you have a kid, you apparently turn into the woman from Drag Me to Hell. So it, <laughs> it just, that was really upsetting to me. For one, I happen to think, just specifically referring to Kim, she is hot. I mean, she looks beautiful. And kids, no kids, whatever. I don't give a shit. I, mean, I think she looks fantastic. But then just to make a blanket statement like that regarding women in general and their sexuality, 
it I it kind of hurt my heart a little bit. I was like, oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, and I may not have had children, but I'm over 40, so I guess you may as well just chuck me out the window the next time the garbage man rolls by because I am Shh. useless. You're expired. <laughs> You're like that cottage cheese I found last week in the back of the fridge. Did you take a bite? How can you tell when cottage cheese is bad? Of course I took a bite. Um, but no, I mean, that just really, that upset me that he would say something like that. Because I'm thinking, and you can see as, as I responded, then why do women have more than one kid? Because obviously they've had sex again <laughs> after that first time. <laughs> and if it's not true, then why is there, why is, why is there such a thing as MILFs? You know, ah, good point. I, I appreciate the cougars. I, I, no secret. I, I do also. So anyway, but I said that he was wrong and he was like, you can't call my opinion wrong. And again, I'm thinking there's scientific research to back my shit up. All right. So but, I mean, so he I, I just don't I thought he must be kidding when he first said that. No. Nope. Um, and was he he is legitimately serious that once a woman has had a child, it is impossible. So what about all the women that he sees on the street that he doesn't know if they have children or not? You know, what if he sees a woman that's that oh. is really good looking? Is it going to be like find out she has a child and I'm like, oh, I was just kidding. You're fucking hideous. Well, I guess there's, <laughs> I guess there's <laughs> just one question to ask. You know, hello, my name's blah blah blah. Do you have kids? Just curious. Thanks. Moving on. No, this guy could tell when his vagina's been destroyed and useless. Nice. He has has a sixth sense about this. (laughs) You know what? I'll play devil's advocate. Maybe, maybe. I don't even know who it is, but I'm I'm probably aware of who it is because he's in the the group of ours. But what I'm saying is maybe in his personal life, it happened to him. He was with a woman that bore a child, and he saw the after effects, and since then – He's used that, you know, as as you know, the example of well, this must happen to every every woman. I oh, don't know. Maybe, I'm just saying, you know, maybe, maybe so. But you know what? Maybe you should widen your range of experience, <laughs> broaden your horizons a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I don't know. They don't all get big stretch marks. They don't. Some do. <laughs> no, they don't. Some, some don't. Bottom line is, if you get if you get somebody pregnant. There's stuff you can rub on their tummy to keep them from getting stretch marks, and there's other things you can do that help. And you know what? Whatever. It's well, not all I, about stretch marks. Why is that? I, a, I was going to say, why is that the only issue anyway? I've yeah. seen plenty of men with beer belly stretch marks, but that doesn't right. mean I'm going to <laughs> discount. Guilty. <laughs> no, but you probably won't fuck them. That's not necessarily true. I mean, yeah, well, okay, people, it is well, now more... because I'm about to get married, and unless Brian suddenly develops <laughs> beer belly stretch marks, then I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but there's more to it than just, hey, how does this chick look? I mean, unless you're going after for nothing but a life of meaningless one-night stands. Oh, and that's fun. So, I don't I mean, know. It, that, it, I'm it, just one of those people who happens to think there's more to sexuality than uh, than those things. You know, I, than nitpicking yes. every little single thing. You know, I think that so many other things make people sexy. So, you know, I don't know. You, you, yeah, uh, confession and assembly confession. All of I've mentioned this like at least ten times on this podcast. There's a certain silver fox that I stub at the hots for, and she's probably in her her sixties. And uh, it's Helen Mirren. That's all I'm saying. Okay, guys. I knew and, that. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. You know about my Helen Mirren thing, and it's not really a thing. She's very attractive to me. Yeah, you know? I think she's gorgeous. But has she Thank had you. children? Oh, I don't know. Because if she's had children, you can't get anywhere near that. She's destroyed. Mm, oh. she's wrecked. 
So someone X is saying is, ladies, if you know this guy we're talking about, uh, do those Kegel strengthening exercises, build it up real good, and break this guy's penis in half. Okay? <laughs> There's actually a lady who has this thing that she encourages doing weightlifting with the PC muscles. Have you guys yeah. seen that post? Yeah, I saw yeah. that. I was horrified and turned on by that all at once. I was impressed. <laughs> yeah, she was like picking up like a weight and a bunch of other stuff and just kind of walking sure. around. I was like, was she working? Was she working the kettlebells and shit like that? You know, with the, the you know, never mind. There, there was like a freaking dumbbell hanging from a wire, and she had like a like a gem or something like that that this thing tied to, or like a stone that she kept inside of her. How do you <laughs> and, think I tote my groceries? Oh, you know, that's how I get was... that shit from the house. I mean, I've only got two arms. Yeah. Yeah, two trips. <laughs> she, 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 she's like a dude, you know, one load. That's all you need. Yeah. I can carry it all. I have my other arm down below. I was literally carrying a surfboard around like J. Michael Vincent and Big Wednesday. It <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like a surfboard, and then uh, it looked like maybe at least a 10-pound like uh, little uh, uh, barbell that you keep in your hand. Dumbbell. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. And uh, she had some other stuff she was carrying around with this thing, too. And it was just, I was, like I said, it's one of the craziest things I've seen so far. <laughs> Oh, my gentle Jesus. <laughs> uh, any more beefs out of UX? Anything else? Uh, that's, that's, that's probably enough to get me in trouble for this week. <laughs> and you are right, X. You do have science on your side with that, too. Yeah, uh, the more women uh, have children, uh, the more like childbirths in a row, it's actually the more they tend to enjoy sex in life. You know, So it's one of those things that uh, there is a scientific report on that. There is evidence. So you're absolutely right. It doesn't ruin their sexuality, if anything. It might improve it and increase it. The Irish must love that shit, then, man, because that's not racist. Cause it's true. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is our stepdaughter's almost twenty, and um, yeah, I got no use for a virgin. Thanks. So, well, well, I've been well, when I family. My my my, own, my cousins are eleven months apart, and they call them Irish twins. It's not racist. It's just true. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah, my beefs is uh, I, I have I have a couple. I guess I was in another retail outlet yesterday. Uh, it's it's the place where where, where our, our friend Ryan Lewis works, but not that exact store. But uh, I read a file of a uh, a douchebag father who was like screaming at his son in the toy toy aisle for no reason, and the son had a ball, and the guy the kid was bouncing the ball, and I guess some employee told the the kid not to be horsing around in the store because he wasn't being obnoxious. He was obviously terrified of his father, but the father was like yelling at the kid. Just saying, oh, she's not fucking management. I'll slap the fuck out of that bitch. And it just said, he must have said this like three times to this woman. So, douchebag fathers in public is one of my beefs this week, and I just had to bring that up and share that with the world because I was I was appalled, and I I wanted to step in and tell the guy about himself, but then that it's, it's too much masculinity for me for me to step in and t- tell that guy about himself because it would have been one ear out the other, and he would like you know I'll fucking kick your fucking ass. That that kind of shit, you know. I, I like no, no thanks. Uh, another is, um, yeah, I was a little uh, upset on Facebook. I think it was last week. I, I said I had to make a bad decision because I was upset because um, some of my family is uh, impregnated by a deadbeat dad, and I can't stand that. So I was like, nah, done. I'm, I'm, I'm all done. And I just want to put a big old shout out and uh, to the guys who are great dads and take care of their own. Uh, a certain friend of mine who I do programs with, um, takes care of his business, and he doesn't get to see his daughter as much as he'd like to, and that makes me feel bad 
that this guy's with my sister and doesn't take care of the ones that he has. So that's a, that's a big beef of mine. So if you're out there and you're working hard, you're being a good dad, Dave, I know for sure you are. And uh, X, you're, you're, you're a great parent too. And uh, I, I salute you guys, you know, and fuck the deadbeats, you know. Thanks, man. I wish my ex appreciated it. She treats me like I'm a deadbeat. Fucking bitch. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's your beef, not mine. No, that's okay, man. <laughs> I wouldn't have said if I don't want to create discussion. Amen. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said if I didn't want to create discussion. Right, <laughs> right on. <laughs> oh, man, but that's that's about it, really, for, for beefs. We'll uh, get to our features now. This uh, We've all gathered here tonight to do... Three films I love that all have one thing in common. They're uh, called Growing Up. We call it the Growing Up Gangster episode. They're all about guys who came up when they were young to be uh, a big time uh, gangsters, as they put it, whether it's funny or, or serious or a little bit of both. We're going to do uh, Johnny Dangerously first, Goodfellas second, and uh, t- ooh, this is a rough one for me. Bronx Tale last. Not because I don't love it, it's just uh, it's, 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 it's a. Uh, it's a sore subject for me, and we'll, we'll get into that, to why that is. Um, we'll start with Giant Dangerously first, right after this. Hey, I know you. You're from Saturday Night Live. You're Joe Pitton. I'm Danny Berman. This chump was going to show you some previews for a new gangster movie called Johnny Dangerously. Check this out. Does this jerk look like a real gangster to you? He looks like Michael Keaton to me. I love Johnny T-shirts! I love Johnny! Believe it or not, everybody loves this guy. Broads love him. I'm not wearing a bra, Johnny. That makes two of us. Oh! You gotta watch your head left, Ma. His mother loves him. I love him, but someday I'm gonna knock him on his... We should spend some time together. The DA loves him. See? Two weeks in Puerto Rico. You got fire. Ver. The new torch singer loves them. You got those. I like those animals. <laughs> Little babies love them. Oh, wait. The warden loves them. Johnny, it's an honor to have you on Guff Road. Ah, don't be silly. <laughs> Pleasure's all mine. <laughs> Even the Pope loves them. Go yourself a new gym at the Vatican, eh? Well, this is one guy who ain't got no love for this phony. You shouldn't hang me on a hook. My father hung me on a hook once. Once. Well, Johnny's busted Mike Chops for the last time. Gee, he looked like a terrific guy to me. Oops. Michael Key, Joe Piscopo, Danny DeVito, Dom DeLuise, Peter Boyle, Griffin Dunn, Richard Dimitri, Ray Walston. See Johnny Dangerously at a selected theater near you. I knew somebody who went to a selected theater once. Once. Title song by Weird Al Yankovic. Hello, welcome back to Cinebeat Podcast. We're going to do Johnny Dangerously first from 1984. Gets a 6.4 in Grime DB, and the plot synopsis is this. Set in the 1930s, an honest, good-hearted man is turned to, forced to turn to a life of crime to finance his neurotic mother's skyrocketing, skyrocketing medical bills. Uh, yeah, that's that's part of it, but it gets a lot more funny than that. Uh, stars uh, Michael Keaton as our title character. Joe Piscopo as Danny Verman. A very, uh, <laughs> earlier, very smoking hot Mary Lou Henner as Lil Sheridan. Uh, Maureen Stapleton as Ma Kelly. 
Peter Boyle as Jocko Dundee, Griffin Dunn as Tommy Dun Dun Kelly. I almost said Dundee, see, and some other folks too that are uh, I think that are pretty great. Um, what's the start in this one? I watched it. It's a movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy this fuck. I enjoy this movie. I enjoyed it when I was a kid. I used to watch it all the time, and I haven't seen it in so many years that I I forgot how good it was. It's um right from the intro with that Weird Al song, I was like hooked right back into it. And and ten minutes into the movie, I was almost able to recite it word for word. It 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 was one of those movies that it all came back to me. And like I said, I used to watch it on HBO all the damn time. And it's just I can't believe that I I forgot how good it was. You never hear anybody talk about it. You know, it's it's kind of overlooked, and it's it's just a great kind of comedy that you would never see these days. And you know, but the subject matter of the gangster that that makes it even more fun. So I I just had a blast watching it. So <laughs> thanks for uh, you know bringing me into this because of that. Because honestly, I, I can't tell you it's been at least. 15 years since I watched that movie, sat down and watched it. Now it's like, man, I want to show it to my brother again, my wife. I'm like, this is, it's a damn good comedy. You never hear anybody talk about it. Yeah. There's some pretty genuine laughs in there. Um, any, any parts in particular that you like to, like you, that you enjoy? <sighs> I'll tell you what's her name. His mother's great. What a performance by her. What's her name? Maureen, Maureen Stapleton. Uh, yeah. She's fantastic. Almost everything that comes out of her mouth is just, you know, just fucking, it's comedy gold. She's She just plays a great role. Uh, you know, ba-boom, ba-boom. Anyway, I could go on and on with her fucking lines. I love him, but one of these days I'm going to knock him on his ass. <laughs> I just want to share something with you. I go both ways. <laughs> yeah, she's got some of the best lines. That's the thing that's really amazing in this film is actually seeing all of the different actors that went on to other things, you know, like... Uh, I mean, for goodness sakes, you know, just all the different actors that have shown up and have basically become either comedy legends or were already comedy legends. It's like it's like one giant cameo after another in this film. It's one of the things that I absolutely love about it. And uh, obviously, it's probably, I would say, Joe Piscopo's best role. I don't think he's ever been able to top playing Danny Vermin. Uh, besides Sinatra, I'll agree with you there. You know, when did he play Sinatra? On, on SNL. Oh, okay. oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay, I'm talking movie roles, though, Gary. Right. I'm yes. with you, Court. Definitely his best role. Yeah, and also, I, I kind of think this might be Griffin Dunn's best work, too. And I don't want to disparage who's that girl. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, why would you? <laughs> who's that girl? <laughs> All right, you off my lawn. <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts is the prayer that Dom DeLuise's the Pope does as they're leading Johnny kind of towards the chair. Um, why, well, no, no, that's he's not the he's not the one that's leading. It's the guy. That's, that's the other guy, yeah, about yeah, the bus and the all that shit. Yeah, but when he shows up as the Pope on the street and uh, Johnny gives him some money and then he's like kind of looks at him and then looks at the money again <laughs> and then he gives him some more. He's oh, he's so sweet. It's a little light, you know. Yeah. <laughs> sure, and I'm at the Pope. <laughs> I love that. Hey, Pope, I love that. It all came back to me. All these lines, I'm watching it, and I, I was surprised that as I'm watching it that I, I was able to, you know, you know how when you, when you watch a movie that you hadn't seen in a while and you, you forgot how much you remembered it, and you're like, I was able to, like, you know, know what they were going to say before they said it. It was great. 
So I'll tell you what, Bastage, I say that to this day and I forgot why. I'm like, ah, Bastages. It's because of this fucking movie. You fargan ice hole. Stop fargan with my rights. <laughs> That's a trick fargan question. <laughs> yeah, Maroni's awesome. He's one of my favorite parts of the film as well. I also really get a kick out of Ray Walston's vendor character. I know he's just got a few little bits, but I love how he gets hit by the papers when he's he's like blind. He gets hit by papers he can see, and then he's fine for a while, and then he gets hit again, and then he loses his hearing or something like that. Yeah, that all of a sudden, like, I can hear and I can see, but who am I? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, little gags like that are hilarious in this movie. You know. and it's a, it is. It's extremely highly quotable, and it's like Dave said, too. I, I grew up watching this. I was one of those kids that, you know, you would either get the HBO previews and you would record everything that weekend yeah. and then watch it later on VHS. Or, you know, when your parents actually had the subscription for HBO and stuff like this would be on during the day and you were home and you know, summertime, you would watch stuff like this a ton. Uh, this one of the things that I definitely grew up with was uh, like this film, and then I would see like Crime Wave a shitload. And they would almost play them like kind of in conjunction with each other. So it was like these weird, offbeat, quirky 1930s based comedies that were always just kind of a fun watch. And uh, I actually didn't realize until watching it now for the show. Um, I, I probably saw it a little while. I mean, I, I have it on DVD and I've watched it a few times over the years, but. I just kind of like remembered seeing the skipper again. And I'm like, holy crap, that is the skipper when he was the desk sergeant. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Wow. Like I said, it's, it's all those little cameos. You know, you see so many people that have either had a history in comedy or went on to great comedic roles in the future. They all kind of converge here. This is like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of film for these characters and these people, you know? Wow. Yep. I forgot him. I didn't realize that was him. That it was um, the skipper, the judge. Now I see it. I never realized it. Holy shit. And he I wasn't the judge. This. He was uh, the desk sergeant that was uh, like uh, calling all cars, calling all cars. Oh, right? okay. You won't believe yeah. this. Duckies and bunnies. That, right. that guy? Exactly. Yeah, that was him. That was uh, that was the skipper, Alan Hale. Junior. Oh, okay. All <laughs> yeah. right. Holy shit. I forgot all about that. Must have been that uh, the case of ESS I got. <laughs> <laughs> Enlarged scrotum syndrome. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. <laughs> that cartoon with the, the cartoon dick. <laughs> it's great. I want to pull that out, just that clip of that that whole your testes and you, fake film, <laughs> and just like Jamie, use it in my next movie night, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's a blast. Your testicles and you. Take a good look. These are the unlucky ones. These unfortunate souls are suffering from ESS. Enlarged scrotum syndrome. For these poor devils, it's too late. But there is hope. Here at the Atlanta Genital Institute, teams of doctors are at work around the clock to cure this dreaded affliction. Hi, I'm Dr. Zillman, and I'd like to talk to you about your testes. The human testicle is not unlike a balloon. Sometimes it is empty. And sometimes it is full. And sometimes it can explode. Maybe this will help you understand. Just remember that your testicles, when treated with love and care, will give you years of maintenance-free service. But if abused, well, the inevitable conclusion. So next time, the smart thing. Don't let anything come between your testicles and you. Thank you. 
Jamie, what did you think of the movie, girl? Uh, this is one I have not seen in a very long time. So long, in fact, that I thought I hadn't seen it before. And I'm like, well, which would have been an odd thing because I have a huge thing for Keaton. Um, and then as I'm watching it, it immediately, I was like, oh, well, of course I've seen this. Um, Brian, on the other hand, has seen it a ton. And uh, he used to watch it all the time when he was a kid. He used to watch it on HBO all the time. Dave, when you were talking about it, I was thinking, is this Brian? Um, <laughs> and he, like, he'd come in the room and just start quoting it. And then, like, he'd just be passing through and he'd quote and then he'd walk back out. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, it does, it definitely has its moments. I don't think that all the humor holds up all that well. At least, not for me, anyway. Um, it also could have been that when I was, wa- and I will give it the benefit of a doubt, because when I was watching this, I was in a really bad mood, and I just, perhaps I wasn't receptive to everything. Now, I did chuckle some. I think Maureen Stapleton was hilarious, and uh, um, I, I love Maroney, and uh, yeah, I say Bassich all the time, too, and I could not remember oh. what it, why. I had no <laughs> idea why, and I was like, oh, this is why. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely had its, its funny moments, but to me, it just seemed to drag <laughs> Like, like, I was like, oh, my God, is it not over yet? But like I said, I was in a really shitty place. So um, I won't necessarily blame the movie on that. Um, you know, everyone, I, by all rights, I should have enjoyed it because everyone who was in it is fantastic. And um, it's subject matter that I find interesting anyway. So, I mean, it's basically spoofing, uh, you know, a subset of movies that I absolutely love. So, but, you know, I should... I should adore it. So I, I, I'm going to not blame the movie, and I'll just blame myself. Fair enough, I, I guess. Yeah. Does, anybody cool. else, does anybody else think that Michael Keaton was doing this an amazing, like, uh, Cagney impersonation the whole way through the film, or is it just me? Well, it wasn't quite the, 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 the all the way. Something. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. It wasn't none of that, but, you know, I, I could see. He does do he, one, though. I mean, not in, in the movie specifically, but I mean, Michael Keaton, in general, does do a Cagney impression. That's pretty funny. No, he's got the facial expressions down. There's a couple of times when he looks at people like in disgust or anger, and you're expecting them just to get ready to smash a grapefruit in their face. I mean, he's got it down. I'm not so Maybe. sure. It's, I'm not so sure that he does a good Cagney impression as much as this was 1984 and Keaton had just discovered cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying cocaine would make anybody be able to do a good Cagney impersonation? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. At least uh, enhance the illusion of a good Cadney impression. Yeah, <laughs> I'll accept that. Uh, I'm with What's you on Mara Lou Henner, by the way, Gary. It's, yeah, she was good. She was good looking in this it's movie. It's the best she's ever looked. Like I couldn't even like when I watched her on Taxi. I never gave her a second look. But when I saw her in this movie, I was like, what? Yeah. She was meant to wear that fashion from the '30s. She definitely was. Yeah, she wore it well. She she was good, man. Dangerously, that fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> that dress, man. It, 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 it's it's all it's all for her, man. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. X, I was in a good mood when I watched it, and I still agree with Jamie. <gasps> mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's some stuff that holds up, you know. It shoots through schools. That shit's funny. That's a good line. <laughs> you know, I like that. I like the Fargan ice whole bit. I think that's funny. But the rest of it. Uh, this is like the airplane two of gangster spoofs. Oh, that you nailed it! 
I love Airplane 2. I love Airplane. I, I like love Airplane, airplane. too. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay, I'll give you that. All right. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> but it had that type of comedy. That's what I liked about it. That it was it was straight comedy and then it was kind of Zemeckis Brothers comedy as well. And not a lot of movies did shit like that except the airplanes. You know what I mean? It just I don't know. Well, a lot of them did it. They just didn't all do it well. Right. Yeah, they tried. Right. But I think this one succeeded, but apparently Jamie and X do not think so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think uh, the reason that you and I both enjoyed it as much as we did, Dave, is because it is part, kind of an integral part of our childhood. We watched it a lot as kids, and it doesn't sound like Jamie or X actually watched it much when they were younger. No, I didn't. As a matter of fact, I, it, when I saw like I said, it's been a very long time, and I may have seen it twice before now. So, you know, it was not a staple of, like, say, Airplane was, um, which I've seen like a hundred times. It's... You know, it's not one that I was overly familiar with. Man, I had a videotape. I used to tape them off, you know, HBO or whatever. Back in the day when, you know, with VHS, when you you put it on SP and you could fit three movies on it. And I could, I even remember what tape it was on. It was The Toy, Johnny Dangerously, and Popeye. They were all on one tape. Yeesh. I love all those movies. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but wow. I still love them all. <laughs> I actually still have the VHS that I recorded as a kid with this movie on it somewhere in my house. Yeah, mine's at my mother's house, no doubt. It's probably it's in the basement with the rest of those old videotapes you used to have. But I used to tape all kinds of stuff when I was a kid, and yeah, it's weird. Like I think about what other what I always think that when I watch an old movie, I'm like, oh yeah. And like I said, this just just came back to me: The Toy, Johnny Dangerously, Popeye. Yeah, but I do that all the time when I think about those old comedies from the '80s and what else they were on, and horror movies as I got a little older. But so yeah, it's very nostalgic for us, I guess, is what it comes down to. Which can be um, a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's how you get four houses, is all I'm saying. <laughs> like I said, dangerous. <laughs> but I want to live dangerously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me personally, I, I still love this film. I, I don't think many of the jokes fall flat for me. I think P- Piscopo was great in just playing the scumbag in this movie. One of my, my favorite scenes in the whole film is um, <laughs> when they pull up to, I think, the courthouse or something and... He parks in the handicapped space and is like, hey, this is a handicapped zone. He's got that sign with the, the wheel into his brain. He's like, it's okay. I'm psychotic. You know, shit like that makes you laugh my ass off, you know, because it was so fluid when, when he said it and, you know, so bad when I said it. But <laughs> Piscopo is a, is, a re, is a real shithead. He plays it even as young young Danny Berman is a real shithead you know, going into Piscopo as a, the character he plays in this film. But I love the love the gun that he has, you know. That just the fact that he says that it can shoot through schools, which he has no qualms about killing children, apparently, or anybody uh, else, or anybody else. Though, so, go to the courthouse and the tree outside. Uh, uh, Devito's character is kind of great. I love love the the play ball scene for some reason. <laughs> Me too, that's great. <laughs> that was the most yeah, like a Zucker Brothers style joke right there. Mm-hmm. Your girl can be covered in ice, and she's like wearing nothing but diamonds underneath the. <laughs> it's it's in the scene where we're at, I don't know how the, how, the, how this happens, but you know, and it, it's so silly. But the, the, where he's having drinks with Johnny, I guess for Johnny to, to ward him off his brother, he gives him a red smoking jacket. The whole scene is you can't tell if Devito's gay or straight because right. he's like giving Johnny the eye for some reason, you know. Yeah, I think weird, he's a lot it? like uh, Johnny's mom. He goes both ways because he was interested in girls. He was flirting with chicks earlier in the film, 
So unless he's closeted or he's actually probably goes both ways and he was just kind of coming to, you know, trying to test the waters with Johnny because he was attracted to him. Oh, one of my favorite scenes with, 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 with Ma Kelly is, uh, after, um, after, after, uh, Tommy graduates or he becomes the DA, I forget which one, which one is which, but he, she's going through a purse to try to find the camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she just keeps handing the, the, the fiance, like random stuff. Also, she pulled a dildo out of the bag and, you know, like, you know, but Ma Kelly knows how to party. That's all I'm saying. And she, she's, they have, they, they, they pour the drinks like, but Ma, it's prohibition. You know, shit like that. Oh yeah, she, oh, I, I won't even say what she said because it's it's not PC. But yeah, <laughs> who gives a shit? It was funny. It was fucking funny, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it. uh, Peter Boyle. Nobody mentioned him yet, but he, he's he's pretty great in this film. I think the, the the best the best scene of the film with him is uh, where he thinks his dick fell off, but he's got the toilet the toilet <laughs> handle in his hand. I'm standing here with my dog in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that that's silly shit, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff, man. The one that always makes me laugh is the scene where Ma goes back to the lady that cleans the floors um, that oh, basically yeah. lied, and she said she saw Johnny, and she goes and pays her whatever that cleaning lady wanted. 19500 Yeah, yeah. 19500 <laughs> But I love the line where she's like... 200 I don't know. Yeah, it was like, what do we have in common? And she says, I'm like, we both scrub floors. We're both swell lookers, and then I, I can't remember what it all was. And we're, but just, neither of us is Chinese. Neither right? of us is Chinese, and we're both swell lookers. Yeah, I love that bit. I don't know what it is about that bit, but even when I was a kid, that one always hits for me every time she delivers the line. Was, I think it's the way the cleaning lady reacts, like her facial expression, where at first she's a little confused, then it makes sense. She goes, oh, yeah, and I think that's the part that makes me laugh. <laughs> it's great. I love the malt liquor gag, too, with DeVito in that scene. Which yeah. a lot of people won't get. It, it dates, you know, it dates people. But that's great. That fucking bull comes in and <laughs> it ends up fucking killing them. That's great. Oh, it's, it's silly, man, but it, it's there. Right. You know. Right. There's one thing that doesn't make sense about the movie. One thing. Go for it. The only guy that did know Johnny when he was young was Vermin. He knows his name was Johnny Kelly. He even called mm-hmm. him it when they, they fought on the street. And they acknowledged yeah. that he, was the he would be the one guy who would know that he was the DA brother. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I thought it last time. I'm like, well, wait a minute. He should be the one guy that does know. <laughs> it was just kind of funny that it was like a big mystery that he was the DA's brother. You know. Well, how many oh, Kellys are there out there? They're, you know, that just because their last name is Kelly doesn't mean that they're related. He might not have gotten the correlation because he never actually met his brother. He only ever had those confrontations on the street trying to steal his place to toss papers. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose I, I could buy that. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's an absurd movie where a guy gets killed by a running bull in a restaurant. <laughs> Don't I know, right? Too much logic to it, Dave. <laughs> this is true. You're right there. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Oh, yeah. No, I still love it. You guys mentioned the the part with the Pope, and I, I love how <laughs> the they're, they're like yelling in the street. Hey, it's Johnny Dangerously. This stuff, the other, like yelling, like right outside Ma Kelly's apartment, and. The, the, her and the her and the brother going through their oblivious to not knowing that he's this person, and but all of a sudden he's like independently wealthy and could pay for all these wacky surgeries. Has, we have to do a thyroid search, you know, shit like that, and it's, it's he has that uh, luxury it's, upscale apartment like that's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah, I love the we're, 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 I love the line too where uh, Al Capone's wife comes over and wants to buy, borrow uh, bullets. Well, maybe Al's <laughs> just not going to be able to go out tonight. 
Yeah. <laughs> that is great. They're neighbors. Can we have a couple bullets? We're running a little low next door. <laughs> We're running a little short here. <laughs> yeah. That's great, man. That's a lot of silly jokes, though, and I, I can see why, you know, folks, I, I, don't, I don't really like Spaceballs now because I, the, the jokes in Spaceballs are way more dated than, than that movie they are in this movie. But I, I can see um, why why they wouldn't like it because either it's a lot of running gags altogether. Either you like those silly running gags or you don't. Or, but some other films have done it better. I think the, uh, um, the one joke that is definitely the most uh, dated for me is when he's doing the crazy dancing and then it goes into break dancing for <laughs> no reason in the middle of it. Now, I'm not trying to disparage the break dancer who actually did those moves because, hey, they were impressive. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, like that, that anachronistic joke that's there, it just doesn't quite work for me. It, it just doesn't hold up because it's such a, a staple of that time frame, you know? Well, that's that's your Back to the Future moment. I've never seen moves like that before, you know? <laughs> right. This is your cousin, Marvin Barry. <laughs> You know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. I guess you know. I guess I'm just not ready for that, but my kids are going to love it. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I guess we'll uh, start with Jamie. Any, any last uh, things you want to say about the film and it all? Um, no, I don't think so. I I will say that I uh, think I watched these movies in the right order, though, because after watching the other two films for this discussion, so and having them so fresh in my head. This, it just made this one, uh, I don't know, it was like a nice, yeah, you know, um, although even though after what I said, you're going to be like, wow, so, (laughs) and that was with it being more enjoyable. Um, It's not that I didn't like it, I do like it, it just, I think that, I don't know, to me, like I said, the humor just didn't all hold up for me, and I I found myself checking the clock quite a bit, but, um, you know, eh, I, I don't know, I guess I'm just... I got nothing. Fair enough. Uh, ex- <laughs> I'm off my game. That's a, no, no, you're not. X, any final, any last words about Johnny Dangerously? I think the best part of this movie is when I turn it off and watch Kentucky Fried movie instead. Ooh, burn. Sick burn. But and that, that's a good one though. He hurt my feelings. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Kentucky Fried movie and Hollywood Shuffle. How about that? There you go. I uh, I, I will admit that Kentucky Fried Movie is definitely funnier to me than Johnny Dangerously, but I love both films. Mm, fair enough. Uh, Dave Z, any last things you want to say about Johnny Dangerously? No, no, I'm going to tell Jamie to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> the classic Dave Z second watch. That's right, right. Yeah, that's true. It, it, this does constitute as a second view because it's been so long. So I think maybe, uh, maybe in a few weeks, Jamie, maybe you watch it again and... Maybe you'll enjoy it more. But I don't know. X didn't dig it either so much. So I don't know. Maybe it's just nostalgia. But damn, I don't care. I enjoy the movie. And if nothing else, I'm glad to be on the show because I got to watch that movie again. So it's uh, you guys got to check it out, man. It's, it's a fun movie. Great. Court, any final things you want to say about the film? Yeah, knock down this Fargan wall, that Fargan wall, <laughs> and this Fargan wall. <laughs> uh you know, it's it's impossible for me to separate really kind of watching this as the little kid, you know, who's watching it on HBO on like a summer afternoon or whatever with me as an adult watching it. Like I go right back into that frame of mind, you know, because I haven't matured anything from there, I guess. I don't know. But it's a it's a really entertaining film if you actually are in that mindset or if you've seen it before. 
And I do agree some of the stuff is kind of a little dated joke-wise here and there, but I don't know. It just it just appeals right to the right to the heart of me as a child watching it, so I can't really separate that. Fair enough. Uh, well, shooting the ratings, I guess. We'll start with you, uh, Court. What is your rating for the film? One through ten. Um, I would give it about a seven. Fair enough. Uh, Jamie? Um, I'm going to say six. Huh. Okay. Dave? I'm, I'm going to come in pretty high. I'm going to say eight. Well, yes, but what's your score? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie knows me too well. Right? But I'm I gave this movie an eight once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said that the whole time. I can't believe it. Uh, I was, I was, I was kind of holding back. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> I was waiting for somebody else to do it. Right? Nobody did. It's rating time. I'm like, fuck it. I'll bring out a bad joke and find a way to use it. You shouldn't rate this movie that way, Dave. My mother rated this movie that way once. <laughs> once. <laughs> there you go. Edit that out, Gary. That's perfect. That's the way it should have been used. Fuck my lame joke. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> uh, X. Uh, it's a five. So, so, man, I can't, I can't wait for the next reviews. Let me tell you, I'm pins and needles. I, I give it an eight as well. It's goddamn enjoyable. Nice. And I, uh, I'll, I'll say it all day long that I'd, I'd give this a high recommend to anybody. I, I'm Piscopo and Stapleton alone because, you know, that that's, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, But with that, we'll move on to our next feature in our Growing Up Gangster episode in uh, Scorsese's Goodfellas from 1991. Right to this. Bye. 
Back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I know I'd go from rags to riches. To me, being a gangster was better than being president of the United States. Never ran on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. It meant being somebody in the neighborhood that was full of nobodies. By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport, and believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. You might know who we are, but we know who you are. You understand? Yeah. What kind of people are these? Life is but a dream. What do you do? I'm in construction. If we wanted something, we just took it, and you didn't even think about it. To us, it was better than Citibank. Nice. Nice. You've got some nerve standing me up. Nobody does that to me. Who the hell do you think you are? Frankie Valley or some oh. kind of big shot? I was living in a fantasy. Look at my eyes. He's not Jewish. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Murder was the only way that everybody stayed in line. What are we gonna do with him? We can't just dump him on the street. Don't worry, I know a place up safe. I'll never find him. You got out of line, you got whacked. Everybody knew the rules. Hey, Henry, here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. (laughs) What do you like, the leg or the wing, Henry? Okay, you ready? Sometimes I... For us, to live any other way was nuts. Anything I wanted was a phone call away. (laughs) And we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's going to be a good summer. (laughs) It was a glorious time. violence on the streets where the violent have power a new generation carries on an old tradition uh good fellows from 1999 1991 sorry about that guys uh, gets an 8.7 on your imdb that's pretty good i guess huh? what's in that uh, here's your weak sauce, uh, IMDb's plot synopsis. Henry Hill and his friends work their way up through the mob hierarchy. Like I said, weak sauce. <laughs> there's, there's so much more to it than that. <laughs> uh, this uh, features Ray Liotta as uh, Henry Hill, of course. Robert De Niro as James Conway. Henry. Joe- <laughs> Henry. <laughs> Joe Pesci as Tommy DeVito. 
Lorraine Bracco as Karen Hill. Paul Sorvino as Paul Cicero. Really easy there, huh? And a collector of that guy actors that that, that I, I know and love, including Mike Starr. So, you know, we'll get to this right now. This is a film that I enjoy, but it, 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 it hurts my soul <laughs> in certain parts as, as uh, being partially Italian, but that that Italian side comes shining through in films like this. I think I'll start with you, Mr. X. What do you think of Goodfellas, sir? Start confession. This was a first-time watch for me. What oh. the fuck? Wow. Oh, it's possible. Wow. It's possible because I didn't fucking watch it. That's how it felt. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but, enough. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, sorry. you got to be all testy about it. You're surprised is all. Damn, X. <laughs> um, I, I like this movie a lot more than I thought I would. And I don't know why I do this to myself. You know, it's like I think, ah, oh, this movie, everybody says it's great, therefore I'm going to think it sucks because I'm some kind of, I don't know, special snowflake or some bullshit. <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie's really good. It's really intense. I enjoy the fact that there's not a single fucking likable character in this movie. They are all just reprehensible human beings. And yet you still find yourself kind of, you know, rooting for them in weird ways. But there's some really great sequences. The part where um, where De Niro sends Lorraine Bracco down the alleyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> down, the, good, the good coats are in the back. Yeah, yeah the right. good go. coats. Yeah, go nah, get one nah. of the good coats. And she <laughs> understands what's about to happen and freaks out and runs. That was really good. I really enjoyed that sequence. So, yeah, I can't I can't really complain about this movie at all, which is rare for me. So, so nice. take that take that for what it's worth. It's, it's really, 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 really good. So that's not Godfather good, but it's still really, 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 really good. Gotcha. Uh, Court, what do you think of Goodfellas, sir? It's really hard for me to separate Goodfellas with the Good Feathers from Animaniacs. Watching it now after watching Animaniacs a lot as a kid. <laughs> Every time. They do flock together, man. That's all I'm saying. Yes, yes, they do. I never um, saw that. Wow. But like when the the Good Feathers that's in Animaniacs really nails down some very specific and iconic scenes, particularly with Joe Pesci's "That's it" every couple of minutes. You know that he'll he'll do whenever he's doing the whole comedic routine with the the bit where he's like, "Oh, you're a funny guy." You know, he's, "What do you mean I'm funny?" And even when I was watching this uh, with my wife uh, while she was doing her graphic design work, I had this this going in the background watching it. As soon as he started doing that routine, she started giggling because that's the first thing that she thinks of as well. And that kind of, it, it almost tainted the film for me a little bit at that point because every time that that kind of interaction would happen or Joe Pesci would kind of flip his wig, immediately I started seeing the good feathers in my head and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? But I absolutely, yeah, I do love I the film. Yeah, I immediately start seeing Dave Z. That's it. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, You motherfucker. <laughs> Where the fuck you going, you dizzy motherfucker? <laughs> the, the thing that I actually, watching it again uh, this time around, uh, the thing that. The, it's Paul. It's Paul. It's caught in the grill. I need. This is a good knife, ma. <laughs> what is his paw? I mean, his, his hoof. His hoof. Hoof. Yeah. What are you kidding me? Warm the car up. Come on. Let's make that coffee go. Did you guys know that? That scene where uh, they're talking. I'd have better with, luck uh, if I had him behind the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> scene where uh, they're actually talking to his mom. That's actually Martin Scorsese's mom. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. I did Is not it know really? that. Really? 
Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool as fuck, though. Yeah. Yeah. She's spunky. And she absolutely, like, I, I don't know if, I don't know if she had memorized lines or if they were just kind of improvising off of her, but. No. Oh, that's, that's classic Dago ball breaking. Mm-hmm. Don't you bury a nice girl? You know, I've, I've mm-hmm. heard, I've heard. I've heard this shit, man. Absolutely. He's settling down. The whole fucking spiel she gives him. Totally. You go from girl to girl. Yeah. Oh, believe me. Oh, yeah. Totally. She played a very similar part in Casino as well. I don't know if you guys are, how familiar you are with, familiar you guys are with that movie, but Mary. she also, same thing. Remember when she was in the, uh, in Casino and she was the mother of, uh, the guy, the brick of my balls, mom, the guy that ran the store, yeah. that ended up recording in the store. Yeah. Same type of thing. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that until I was just kind of like looking up some things while I was watching the film. And I, I don't know if I switched over to the commentary for a second and they were talking about it or maybe I saw it in the special features later. But now that I know that, watching that scene, and, and I guess what they were talking about, too, was uh, Joe Pesci and uh, De Niro had, you know, kind of known her from before because they worked with Scorsese in the past before this film. And mm-hmm. like, Rachel. I guess, yeah, I guess that that sort of interaction that they have with her where, you know, she's very tender and loving towards them. I mean, I guess that's all pretty legitimate. And it kind of warms my heart to see that scene that this horrible person that is Joe Pesci's character has this wonderful, loving mother. You know, it's just one of the things that always struck me. And the other thing, too, is you get to see, particularly in a Bronx Tale and then in this film as well, between the two of them, you get to see sort of like uh, future alumni of the Sopranos, like when they were young. Yep. Yeah, Michael Imperioli shows up as, uh, what's the kid's name? I forget. Spider. Oh, Spider, yeah. Well, and uh, Pauly is uh, one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's in Bronx Tale, isn't it? Is he, he's no, in no, this no. Pauly's in, the... in this, too. He's in the, yeah, he, he, small part, but he's there. Yeah. 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 If, <laughs> it's a, if it's a movie about Italians, someone is named Pauly. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, if it's a movie, <laughs> it really it's a movie about the mob, Paul Sorvino is fucking in it. I mean, he's going, he's right. going to be in it. Um. Uh, somewhere. Also, the guy with the he talks like the, I, I actually don't know if he was in either of these movies, but he usually shows up. He's the big guy, and he's got like the scarred face, and and he always talks real quiet like this, like way down low, like you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Robert the V. No, <laughs> no, he's a big fat guy. Oh, uh, you talking about Big Pussy from fucking uh, Sopranos? The guy that played uh, Big Pussy, the guy that was in Return to Sleepaway Camp. Vincent Pastore. Vincent Pastore. Um, he was in the firm. I know he was one of the Chicago guys in the firm. That that much I remember. Ah, I want to say he was in Bound too, as a mob guy. Ah, fuck it, I don't remember. <laughs> Joe Pantoliano. No, he's a big fat guy. I haven't seen Joe Pantoliano in a while. <laughs> 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 Maybe he Joey, pants, Joey pants ain't that fat. <laughs> no, he kept his girlish figure. <laughs> he just didn't keep his hair, that's all. Mm-hmm. Well, as a bald man myself, I don't really care about that for him. <laughs> no, hey, whatever. Hey, Joey pants. Damn, I, yeah. you got me, Jamie. I don't know who that is. If it's not Vincent Pastore, he was in he was in Goodfellas or no? Uh, actually, I don't remember seeing him in Goodfellas, which is kind of unusual because he is always around. Uh, I'm going to look his ass up. You guys Fuck. continue what you're it's doing. It's going to bother me now. I'll figure it out. But I don't know who it is. Is it the guy that played, is he from Sopranos? I actually don't know. I never watched Sopranos. Oh, stop. Okay. I know, right. which is weird. Um, mm-hmm. it, That is weird, but it's because I didn't have HBO. It was the only reason I didn't. Can you watch it now? Yeah, I just haven't. Okay. <laughs> I okay. will. All right. I won't harass you uh, too much. 
continue, Court. I'm so we're sorry about that, man. Oh no, that's tangents. That's, that's kind of the nature of how it works when you podcast. Everybody's got so, something to contribute, you know. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I don't know if you'd call what I say a contribution. <laughs> I got something to butt in with. That's. <laughs> well, if you've ever heard my show, Geek Chat Army, that's pretty much all we ever do is just it's constantly tangenting and cutting each other off. So I'm so used to it; it's not a problem. I'm just here to make bad puns and dirty the place up. That's all I do. That's okay. Yeah, I was, we were talking about the, well, at least I was talking about how there's some of the alumni from, you know, the Sopranos that you see in this film in particular. And it's it's a list of the, I think, I forget, was it you, Gary, you said earlier, was that that guy? List? Yeah. It's, are, there's a ton of those that guy mobster movie actors that are, are all through this film. Uh and I also agree with everybody or with whoever had said that uh, there is not a single redeeming character in the entire film. Well, there's that. that I think that was X that said that. And uh, yep. yeah, I just I happen to love watching films where every single person in the film is rotten. And you basically just pick the person that is the least scumbag in the entire film. And you're like, I'm rooting for them. And I think that's what they do with Henry Hill. And they do that really well for his particular character. And I also think uh, as far as composition of shots and a lot of the tracking that they do, like uh, the, particularly when they go through and start introducing you to all of the characters when he was a, when he was a kid meeting all these gangsters, you know, and you, you, know, you hear the, like the two times guys, I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers, and they track through that restaurant and that first shot. Uh, I absolutely love that particular part of the film. And then the restaurant when he's taking uh, his wife Karen through uh, when they're first starting to date and he takes her through the back way of that restaurant and they track through the entire restaurant to their table all in one complete steady shot. I think this is pretty much uh, Scorsese at the top of his game right here oh, with filmmaking. You were talking about the descriptions. One of my favorite descriptions is of Polly. It's like Polly moving slow because Polly didn't move for fucking anybody. I, lo- I love that line of the movie, you know? Yeah, he didn't have to move for anybody. Exactly, yep. yeah. Yep. Oh, boy. But I hit the Jamie now. What do you think of Goodfellas, girl? Oh, my goodness. This... Oh, this is one of my favorite movies ever. I love it so much. I I have a deep, 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 deep love for mob movies uh, in any vein. Um, and just like reading books about them and um, just, I don't know, I've always had this fascination. And uh, th- this one captures so much the rise of it, which is my favorite part to watch. Like, I love the, the front end of this movie. I love the whole movie. I really do. But my favorite part is the front end where you're kind of watching him climb up the ranks. My other favorite thing about any mob movie is always the, the ice scene where you, find, where you start coming across. Uh, like there was a really great one in, in um, Godfather 3. Uh, the, the only good thing about Godfather 3, apart from Andy Garcia, um, was <laughs> the, uh, like where you start coming across all the dead bodies, you know, like when there's something big always goes down and then like the dead bodies start popping up. Either you watch them get killed or you're finding them uncover the bodies. And like when he talks about how, when they found the guy in the, in the meat truck, he was, you know, he was frozen so solid. They had to thaw him out for three days before they could do the autopsy. Yeah. Carbone. You know, I just, I love that shit. Um, I love the sweeping shots that we get where you get to meet all the different people. And these are these are staples in mob movies, too, because, I mean, they, they also did it in Bronx Tale um, where, you know, you go through an intro and court. You already mentioned this part, you know, where they go through and introduce you to everybody. But it's fun hearing how you know, the backstory behind their names, you know, like this is 
Uh, and, and two times reminds me of my Uncle Wyatt, who I don't know if anyone remembers me ever talking about him on Devour. I had this uncle who, when he was a child, he suffered a really bad fever. And, and he wasn't quite right in the head after that. But uh, he always said everything twice. And it was, you know, uh, and he didn't notice that he did it. He just sort of, that's just the way he talked. But, but my cousin used to make fun of him all the time. And he never he realized he was being made fun of. But my, but my cousin would be like, hey, uh, Uncle Wyatt, you want to try some of these peanuts? Some of these peanuts? You want to try some of these peanuts? Some of these peanuts? You want some? They're good. And he would just be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll try some peanuts. Yeah, I'll try some peanuts. Yeah, I'll try <laughs> So, uh, and he was just, you know, he never realized what was happening, so he never got offended. But anyway, every time I see that part, it reminds me of him, which just cracks me up. Um, ah, I just, I can't even, I can't, I can't. There's too much. I love it too much. There's not one thing I don't like about this movie. There's not one performance that I don't like. Uh, I think Joe Pesci is at his, at the top of his game here. Between this and Casino, he... Uh, I mean, he. No one does angry short guy better than Joe Pesci, and he just—he was killing it right around this time. I miss him, to be honest. I mean, he's like seventy-three years old now, and you don't even see him anymore. But like right around here, he was just left and right, and, and you saw him all the time. And I miss him because he was so dynamic, and in roles like this, he, even though he can be like the biggest scumbag ever. The scene where he thinks he, he's going to be a made guy and, you know, he's oh, so happy about it. And, like, and his mom is, like, fixing his tie and she's like, oh, you know, good luck. And, and it just, that scene, and then you actually see him go and you know, you know what's going to happen. Like, even if you haven't seen the movie, you, you can feel it. And when he's walking in the building and he's like, oh, how long have you been made? And he's like, oh, 30 years, 30 years, wow, you know. And he's so excited. And then as soon as he walks in the door, it hits him. Like, he realizes what's happening. That breaks my heart. I mean, even though he will just murder you as soon as look at you, and he doesn't give a fuck, for some reason, I still love him. And it, that moment breaks my heart every time. Um, like, I really like Henry. I love the scenes where he's, uh, the whole day, the whole fucking day where he's trying to do the drug run and the whole day is centered around him making the gravy. <laughs> and he says, and it's just, it's like, no matter what happens, yeah, yeah I got to set up this, I got to set up this whole drug thing, but I can't let my gravy burn. <laughs> and that, I love that. It just, it's such a nice little peek into his character. And even though I do love his character at the same time, I get so pissed off because because he's a fucking rat. And I'm like, oh, these guys are assholes. Why do I care? But it's, I'm, it tears me. That's the thing, I guess, about this movie is it, it, it polarizes my own sensibilities. You, you got to stir the gravy, man. And that gravy was sounding delicious, too. You know. <laughs> yeah, Karen, Michael, I'm stirring. I, I'm stirring. I'm stirring. Had, Karen. <laughs> they were going to find it. That they needed. never would have found it. They were going to find it. I swear to you, they were going to find it. <laughs> like, yeah. no, nobody yeah, no, cries quite like Lorraine Bracco. <laughs> nobody cries quite like, like, like Lorraine Bracco in that movie. I'm I swear. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because no one would ever look in the kitchen cupboard. Ever. <laughs> 
She she hid the gun in her snatch, but she 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 couldn't hide the drugs there instead. Or at least like or at least like one like one kilo of it or something that would be enough for them to have bug out money. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's well that you know that that would require quick thinking and and you know give the woman a break. I mean, she puts up with a lot here, but um. Well, and they're both they're both like just on so much fucking coke the whole way through the end of that movie too. Oh yeah. You can just see them like getting rail thin and looking like hell. Which see, Karen, go, I'm sorry. No, no, uh, go ahead. I said Karen hides a gun twice in this movie, see? Huh? I said Karen hides the gun twice in this oh, movie, see? That's, yeah, that's right. She does. Good call. Um yeah, like uh, much like Debbie Mazar who looks like now? who looks like bowled over boiled over hell uh by the time we get to the end of this movie. Mm. Um but in that way it also reminds me of Casino where you watch like the the descent. Um which just, I mean, because so there, it's kind of segmented. You know, you have the rise and then you have the fall. And um, oh, I love the scene. I love the scene where uh, he's talking about being in prison and how the old guys are making their sauce in in prison. And God damn it, I just love this movie. I'm I could talk about this all day. Uh, this would be a feature length commentary if I had uh, my way. So well, that, that might be a thing. Move on. Don't worry. <laughs> I do have a question. I do have a question for everybody. You just reminded me, Jamie, of where they're preparing the meal while they're in prison. Has anybody else tried to shave little slivers of garlic off with a straight razor before, or like a razor blade, like they do in the movie? Or am I just the only psychopath that thought that would work? Uh, it, it, it would work, but that's that's what they had to work with, obviously. <laughs> Probably take the razor blade right out of their old-fashioned razor and, and slice the garlic real thin. You know, I'd cut my fingerprints off. <laughs> uh, Joe Vitarelli is the guy that I was thinking of. By the way, does that ring a bell? Oh yeah, him. Joe Vitarelli. Um, oh, that guy. Look him up. You'll know exactly who I'm talking about. I know. <laughs> I'm just thinking for X. It's more fun that way. Oh yeah, that guy. He's, <laughs> Joe Vitarelli is totally that guy. But I'm just thinking the Dave Z. Dave Z. What do you think of Goodfellas, sir? Oh man. Uh, this movie is like it's like so special to me for so many reasons. I just some of it's nostalgia because when it came out, it was a great time in my life. And like it came out in 90, but I think it was the end of 90, and I graduated in 91. I don't think it came to video till like that summer when I graduated. And I immediate I didn't see it at the show. I immediately fell in love with it, and it was the kind of movie that I was me and my friends were all walking around quoting all the time it's so ridiculously quotable i won't even get into the, uh, the the production values and scorsese being at the top of his game that that's fucking amazing just oh man it, it it's so uh what, what's the words for it to me uh, it's i'm i'm very familiar with a, a lot of the culture in this movie um i'm pretty familiar with the way the outfit is run people that i know that i'm that are near and dear to my heart were were associated with with, with things like this. So a lot of this rings true. Granted, of course, it's Hollywood and this is sugar-coated. But I've known people that have told me that, you know, what that scene when that that court was referring to earlier when when uh, Henry takes his girl and he walks through the back way and and, and uh, they they get set up in the front. I've known people personally that have told me that that's one of the things that 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 did happen to them and that that's really how it was. Now, like I said, it's Hollywood and it's blown out of you know, it, it's a movie, so it's not <laughs> all that real. 
but just knowing everything I know about the culture, you know, I'm 100% Italian. This is a lot of the stuff I've been around it, and a lot of the references in the movie. It's just really special. I like and like what X said before about it. It's no Godfather. I, I will say this: I think that the Godfather one and two are better films, but if I had to watch one, I, I prefer it, it, this is my favorite of all those you know type of of gangster films it's it's in my top 10 movies period all time it's just you know the soundtrack i can't even hear songs from this movie that without thinking of how they they relate to my life like i i'll play that fucking frosty the snowman song around christmas time that they play in this movie when i have guests coming over for christmas or something or i i can't hear like you know, sunshine of my love at the beginning. Without picturing De Niro sitting there smoking the cigarette, slow motion, contemplating, you know, how and when he's going to whack Maury. Just, uh, what God a damn, fucking... now I want to watch it again. Yeah, oh, he's, a fucking, he's a fucking ball breaker, man. Oh, this film. Oh, and all that. Holy fuck. It's just, in every single time I hear Layla and the piano, the second half, which kicks in when you see that, you know, the dead guy and his wife in, in, in the Coupe de Ville, which my father, it wasn't pink, but my father had the same Coupe de Ville. It was a 79 or 78 Coupe. So uh, the, the car, just everything. But every time I hear that piano, I almost get like, it's very sentimental for me. I almost get emotional. I think back to 1991 and my first year out of high school, my first year in college, and hanging out with my friends at bars and shit like that and how we were quoting this movie. So this movie just hits me on so many levels. My family... Uh, my my friends, and it just happens to be a great fucking movie. And I got to tell you, I don't think, like, like, the beginning when he says, to me, being a gangster would be better than being president of the United States. I felt that way. Fuck, I still feel that way. I completely am in love with that lifestyle. And if people think less of me, fuck them. It's just something that, that I think is amazing. And, and I don't think that the, the only detestable character to me, honestly, is Tommy. I have no problem with fucking Jimmy the Gent. I don't think there's anything wrong with Paulie. I, no, Paulie's great. I he's like he's Pauly. old school. Yeah. yeah. Paulie's I mean, great. He's, he's like my father. Paulie reminds me of the... Even the things that come out of Paulie's mouth remind me of my father. A couple lines when... The way he talks shit and, and the way the way he presents himself and some of the things he said. And the one big time. My father says it all the time to this day. Don't make a jerk out of me. Because that's what Paulie says to him. You know, don't make a jerk out of me. He tells him. That's one of my father's lines. So just like all this stuff, just you know. Oh man! I watched this movie and it's adrenaline. It really is. I'm just and when the gun beating part, when when he fucking pistol whips that guy. Oh god! I always wanted to be that guy. <clears throat> I wish that fucking somebody would fuck with a, a girl that I was dating at the time and I could grab <laughs> a gun and fucking. <clears throat> <clears throat> it's so fucking vicious. Yeah, and 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 it's oh. hot too. Well, there it's you go. I, I, I it's sexy as hell. That I mean, he just. You know, took matters and he's like, you know, you're gonna fuck with her. I will. You will never fuck with her again. You know. He got about, he got about two words in. That's about all he got. Like, Man, what do we? Wow. Melted him with the, with the gun. You know? yeah, I don't is, even uh... swing that way. And he was turning me on when he was beating the shit out of that guy for that. <laughs> I'll admit it. He was sexy as hell at that moment. <laughs> when um yeah Dave, when you're talking about like the the way they talk here, this is um well you know about you know my ex boyfriend um. 
he watching this movie is like being with him because it's like every other second is like, ah, what is he treating me like I'm a half a fag or, or, um, I mean, this is shit he actually said, or, you know, this and that. And, um, his, his family, he's Irish. Um, but, um, his family, like he had an uncle who wound up mysteriously dead in a car, um, shot and, but nobody really knows anything other than that about it. He fell down an elevator shaft yeah, and landed yeah, on some exactly. bullets. Uh, he had another <laughs> uncle that we went to his funeral, and there were guys in suits standing around the edge of the, like, standing around just watching, and there was a helicopter that flew overhead. I mean, there's, you know, shit going on here. And uh, that I, what was weird is I was fascinated with the stuff way before all of that. And he wasn't involved in anything. I mean, like, he didn't have any personal connections to anything as far as anything he did. He was on the up and up. But it was just like tangentially um uh sort of connected because of like his family and stuff. And but I just found it fascinating. So like when I I watch these guys there's something about it like okay, one of the hottest things ever to me is when you see a bunch of guys in a row coming to kick ass and like they're carrying like baseball bats and shit. Like what is that movie? There's a one time ever when Chris Penn was sexy. And that was when, and I like him. I like him a lot as, as an actor at all. But like there was one time when he was just really hot and he was coming at somebody with a baseball bat. And I can't remember what movie it was. He's wearing a tracksuit, uh, which should negate the whole sexy thing. But for somehow in this scene, it didn't. Uh, but he pulls a baseball bat out of the trunk of a car. And it's like four guys are just like going to whip some ass for a good reason. Um, you know, I don't think it's hot when guys just randomly beat up people, you know, just for no reason whatsoever. But if it's like, if there's something like protecting the, or, or you know, I don't know, like defending the honor of a woman they care about or, or something like that. There's just something really kind of old school and sexy about that. And um, I don't know that we have guys like that around as much now who would be willing to go after somebody who to like offended the honor of a woman. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not around the young people that much. I don't know what they do, but I just kind of feel like we're got a bunch of pussies around. I don't know if they'd be willing to do that. I agree. This day and age, forget about it. Say the word, Jamie. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Somebody fuck with you. I'll fuck them up. <laughs> now see, that's what, but, I, I don't know. There's something about like that that's really just uh like something that's it's based in respect. Um that's a huge thing. Uh tradition. There's something really appealing about that. You know, you, you take out the the murder and the fact that you can't ever the one thing about the lifestyle that always upset me is that I don't know how people live that way because you can never relax, you can never just be, you can't really trust anyone. And I think that that would be a horrible, horrible way to live. Yeah, but, but you then, know, it's full, it's really blown out of proportion. I mean, only real big bosses ever get whacked. You don't see it. It isn't the way it's portrayed in this movie. You know, like you have Tommy. He's a fucking, you know, he's a, he's a cowboy. He's doing his shit. But, I mean, when do you see anybody else whacking anybody? Honestly, it's just, they, they really blow it out of proportion. That's not the way... Yeah, well, Jimmy's guess, just yeah. killing everybody towards the end there. Well, that's different people. because he's worried about being ratted out and it's fucking killer be killed. That's and he doesn't yeah. want to pay anybody the money that they earned either. 
That's true. <laughs> oh, that shit with Maury. Oh yeah, that was... fuck you, Maury. You fucking ball buster. <laughs> Who yeah, I mean, I do. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> true, and that's a good point. When he goes off his shit, it's that it is really just about protecting himself. Oh, and, my, my favorite my favorite moment, the Maury moment, is the part where Maury's just talking shit about Jimmy when he, they're showing Maury's wig commercials. Yep. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and like you can't, like exactly you can't hear him at all, and he just chokes him out with that phone cord, you know. <laughs> Dude, I used to be so into this movie. I was at a fantasy football draft, and fuck it, at my buddy's house, and one of my friends, his name is Lenny, and he always he was kind of built like Maury, and he kind of had a personality like Maury, and I in the middle of the draft. Just for a joke, that's what I'm saying. That's how much into the movie were. I took the fucking phone off my friend's wall and I started choking him with it. You're gonna give me the money, Morty. You're gonna give me the money. You know, we were all, all cracking up and shit. It was just <laughs> this was just part of my life for a long time. <laughs> the best so part of that funny. scene, though, is where he's taking a call while Morty's still being choked on his own phone. <laughs> yeah. That's the part I love. Is Henry's right there getting a call and. <laughs> Jimmy's just choking the shit out of Maury. He's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. What? No, no, you stay right there. <laughs> I just love that part. And he's like, Maurice. He's trying to be oh, calm and cool. I, th- I think the best sequence to me is when they're in the lounge when Billy Bats gets out of jail, when they're in the sweet lounge. Oh. It, oh. I love it. I love everything about it. I love the, the delivery of all the lines from everybody there and it's the way everything's developed. Like, go, I'm going to get your fucking shine box. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, for, for years and years, I thought that was Dennis Farina, but I was totally wrong. <laughs> you know? I can totally see that. I can, I can totally see that. That guy, Frank Vincent, plays a bastard like nobody else. He's amazing at playing a bastard. Yes, yes. I also love how they bring back around at the end when Tommy gets hit that it is revenge Mm-hmm. For that, like something that happened early on, and so much shit has gone down in this movie that you have just pretty much forgotten that that even happened. I mean, not necessarily forgotten it, but it's you don't expect it to come up again. Like if you have never seen this before, uh, you're like, okay, well that's a thing that happened, and I, I wouldn't even be thinking about it at this point because so much other shit has gone down, and then oh, the, the... just this is all the way back to that. I mean, even, even Deb Mazar not doing the dishes after she mixes the Coke comes back. Because that's essentially what gets him busted. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah, is you're all right. Yeah. What are you, baking up. a fucking cake? What are you- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bye-bye, asshole. Bye-bye, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Guy, What's that girl's that name? Guy. Debbie Mazar? Uh, Debbie Mazar. I don't know yeah. her except from this movie, but ooh-wee, I think she's the, the prettiest girl in this she, film. You know, she has always looked to me like, uh, and, and just in case anyone out there is interested, she wears high heels every day of every every day of her life, whether she's going grocery shopping or whatever. That's just a little random tidbit that I've known about her for some reason wow. for years. But anyway, to me, she has always looked like a classic 1950s Barbie doll in the face. Like, if you look up the old, like, the original design of the mm-hmm. first Barbie dolls, that's what her face looks like to me. I've always thought she was so pretty. Oh, so pretty. Wow. Yes. How about the mother? <laughs> fucking oh. The mother of... Uh... Who stays out of all the hours of the night? Ma, where were you? She is... <laughs> she opens her mouth before the fucking guy's wife opens her mouth. It's we cool. were worried sick. Ma! <laughs> I love his response too, where he just like blows, like he just like, 
and then just turns around and walks away. <laughs> turns around and walks away. <laughs> just laugh at, just laugh at his ass off. <laughs> Tommy's giving busting his balls. She's right, Henry. What's the matter with you? You're not normal, Henry. <laughs> oh, I fucking love. So he's not even Jewish. <laughs> what do you expect? He's not Jewish. You know how these people live? <laughs> Your father hasn't been able to digest a decent meal in about a week. Or whatever she says. You Six, know. Weeks. <laughs> Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Oh, Leave so your father out of this. He'd suffered enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm like, up. yeah, he's been married to you for probably 30 years. I would say, yeah, he's suffered enough. <laughs> Oh, here's what else is funny when the wolf when, when tommy's mother when they go and visit her in the middle of the night that is such an italian thing that would fucking happen if i showed up my well maybe not my mother but a lot of italian women i know if you showed up at their house and you you hadn't seen them in a while they would fucking be they would wake up and they would cook you food in the middle of the fucking night just like that that's full spread yeah that's not false that, that is something they would do but the funniest part is when all of a sudden she just pulls up that picture out of nowhere. Like, she was waiting to present it to him. Oh. <laughs> I love that. It's like so random. Yeah. So you got one, you got one dog looking that way, you got one dog looking the other way. Yeah, and they got this guy it, in that, the middle. That, that, what do you want from that me? That looks just like, looks like a guy we know. Yeah. Is it, you know? Yeah, without the beard. Oh, it's him. <laughs> oh, so funny. Uh, I, I could quote this, this movie for hours. <laughs> we could do a show oh. just on this movie. It would be longer than the fucking movie, I think. Just, so, I'll shut up. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, this film for me and Dave, I'm sure you can attest to to most of this. Is it's it's painful to watch if you're Italian sometimes. Well, it's typical. It's, it's rise and fall, and you get you get you you start messing around with the drugs. You got to. It's 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 not even that. It's the little things. And I'll give you an example, Dave, and you could probably back me up nine ways to Sunday on this, where they're they're at the wedding and she's describing. <laughs> All, all of Paul, Polly's cousins and sisters about how they're either named Peter or Paul, and they're all married to girls named Marie. That is not a lie. Yeah, I okay? know. Right. <laughs> My father had a cousin. I shit you not. Her name was Peterette. Okay. Peterette. <laughs> Peterette is in my family tree. Okay. Because she's so painfully Italian that they wanted a boy, I guess, and they named her Peterette. Okay. That's hysterical. Wow. I love too that all the sons are named Peter or Paul. Yes. And then all the daughters are named Marie. <laughs> yes, because it's, it's, it's true. It's painfully true. See, my family is like that, except it, it, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of Anthony and a lot of Nicholas. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say there were Same no Tonys in there, but Anthony. Uh, but yeah, that that I, I love. I love. Um, I love the evolution of of, of Karen. <laughs> oh yeah. Which turns into like this really really meek chick, and then all of a sudden she she just adopts like the the angry Italian person. My favorite scene of her in the entire film is when she goes to Henry's girlfriend's house. She's screaming through the intercom, "You the super? You tell them that a whore lives in two C." Or whatever she says, you know, <laughs> she's, got little, yeah. she's, she's got a little girls. She's got a little girls with her. It is so typical Italian that she doesn't give. She gives no fucks that her daughters are like attest to all this bullshit that they, she's screaming at her, her, her their father's lover through an intercom. You know, they, wow, that, that, that's great. She learned from all those other chicks, those other Italian. When they show them at the party in the beginning, and she was all fucking like, you know, flabbergasted by their behavior, she ended up becoming the same way as they. You know. Oh, well, she she they show that one chick in that scene where she's they're they're doing, they're putting the makeup on and stuff. I told him, keep his fucking hands I, off me, that girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see the picture of um my grandmother from back in the day. My my grandmother, whose whose maiden name was Albamonte. Okay, don't get more Italian than that. 
and she she had that same like too much lipstick and too much foundation caked on <laughs> stuff, and it 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 made me like weep. Because I've been to, much when I was younger, I used to go to, the, to my, my Italian side's family functions. I don't, I don't see them so much anymore. But it all, it all comes flowing back into my brain, these people <laughs> that belong in the, 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 this culture, that are in this movie. It, it, it hurts just to watch. It's like, yep, I know, I know all these people. And they talk just like this. And it's, that, makes, that gives it a certain authenticity. And that, that's kind of nice and kind of bittersweet at the same time. It makes me sad because it isn't like that anymore. Like, no. my father's generation and even my older brother and sister, they were kind of at the tail end of it. I, I, I'm a suburbia fucking dude. I'm a, I don't live in Little Italy like my parents did. None of that shit. I, I don't have that in my life. I wish I could have been like them. I, I, I'm jealous of that lifestyle because they had it good. Some of some people got involved in shit they shouldn't have and they went down just like in this movie. But uh, you know what always cracked me up is that they're always dealing in cash. That's all mm-hmm. I ever saw as a kid. I saw people pay for fucking cars in cash. You know, it's just, it's just unreal. But yeah, I feel bad that I missed out on it. I mean, ultimately, you know, it leads to what it leads to, but I don't know. There's a part of me that always wishes that I wasn't just fucking average Joe that I was fucking would have been part of something special like that because I know people that lived it and I don't know it's exciting to me. Well, we're, we're all the the old Dagos lived in it. Uh, I guess in my circles, you know, I guess it'd be South Suburban Little Italy it would be Roseland, Illinois, where, where my my grandma talk about because they used to live there and all all the old relatives lived there. And then I met my friend's mother. This is how it's all fucking connected. It's fucking weird. My best friend in the world, Rico, who was on the first episode of the show. His little sister married Anthony, and his his mother was from Roseland. So it was like, you know, you and my grandmother would got along so well because they would have plenty to talk about. And it was really, really strange that they made that connection. But um, back back to the film, I, I love how this film. Um, it, it's uh, you guys mentioned so much about it, and you know, it, it's all true. It makes it so wonderful. But it's like the little stuff, like Jamie she likes to read about this kind of stuff. They they mentioned a small thing about. The, the the Boston college shaving thing is it's, it's really a oh, yeah, throwaway line. Shit. It's the last thing that he says before he gets whacked, Maury. It's Num- a really throw. Yeah. It's a really throwaway line in the movie, but it was a really big deal. You know, if you, they, they did the ESPN thirty for thirty about it, if you guys want to sit and watch some, I think it's currently on Netflix. But Henry Hill was a real. He, he seems like a really nice guy in this film, but not like really like oh he's a really nice guy. But the real Henry Hill was kind of a really a bastard because the fucking rat. Oh, he, he he tortured these 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 kids, like promising them you know money, but you know, but they they could pretty much buckle under the pressure uh, of you know all this, and they come in and physically harm these kids and all all kinds of bad stuff. But I I'd recommend you guys watch that if you guys want to watch about their their Boston college uh, point shaving thing. It's a really small part of the movie, but again, a throwaway line. <laughs> But it it really sh- it really shows you what a bastard Henry Hill really was, you know. I love it how David and I both said the exact same thing. He's a, he's a bastard because he's a fucking rat. <laughs> nice, Jamie. Jamie, exactly. He is a fucking rat. And then he got out. He was on Howard Stern. They tried to make him famous. Fuck him. You never rat. Just like the first thing that Jimmy says, you learn the two most important lessons you can learn when he got pinched. He was never rat on your friends, and always always keep your mouth shut. It's real easy to do. If you get pinched, you fucking do your time. Anyway. Well, God. Yeah, no, no, there's lots of great scenes. <laughs> yeah, well, and let, when... yeah, because let's not forget, you know, his hands aren't fucking clean. Fuck no. You know? And for you to save yourself 
by throwing everybody else to the wolves, that's fucking pussy. Yes, it is. You know, yeah. you do the crime, then you you own up to it, and you pay you pay your dues like everybody fucking else did. That's what I got to say. If you don't want right. to do it, then don't do the shit. You know, if, if you don't want to pay for it, then don't live the life. But uh, I reckon, speaking of reading about it, this is a book that I have read like four times. I fucking love it. It's called My Life in the Mafia, and it's by Vincent Charles uh, Teresa. And uh, it just, it goes way back. Like, um way back to like pre-prohibition um early early shit and so he basically walks you through through the life like through the old uh, straight from sicily mafiosa all the way up through i guess like then to the 60s um and he was in chicago so it's all like the horse racing like fixing the horse racing and stuff like that but it's really fascinating so if anybody um wants to read a really good book that was uh, basically written first person from someone who lived the life. It was it's pretty it's pretty. But what is amazing too is because it was so long ago. Is he talks about how you know he was living the big life. He had twenty buck shirts. Go <laughs> 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 oh, wow, twenty bucks on a shirt. Look out. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it was real, and he actually goes into how you know drugs fucked him up. You know, exactly. um, like drugs, the whole drug scene came in and fucked everybody because when they started getting involved in that shit, it just tore everything down. So that's, um, it. that's why Paulie said that shit. Don't fuck around with that shit because he knew that's what yeah. broke down the mob. If they just would have stayed with running numbers, bullshit, not even numbers. This is fucking later on. If they just would have stuck with booking. Honestly, most of it was fucking sports betting and bo- and loan sharking. That's it. That's where they make like the majority of their money. Which nobody's getting hurt by doing that. It's gonna happen anyway. Big fucking deal. They weren't walking around whacking people and selling drugs. But when that came in, they they touch upon it in The Godfather. When mm-hmm. you know with the Turk when he comes in, and it's the same lesson. As soon as they start fucking around with drugs, they do it in Sopranos too. And then now you're talking felony. You're talking thirty years to life. That's when all these guys got pussy and ratted because they couldn't face. They could face five to ten years for this or that, but you know, thirty years to life—that's the end of your life. That's when they turned to rats. That's what brought brought down the whole fucking the whole outfit in this country. You know, I never thought about that. I never considered the correlation between the time that they would serve and and you know what made them start to turn on each other. But that really does make a lot of sense. And the Rico Act. Because doing a five-year bid, I mean, that they don't seem to really give a shit about that. You know. no, they're soldiers but, for that. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the RICO Act, too. That's what brought all that shit down. It was just, they cracked down. I mean, I, they had a right to. I mean, I, I understand why the law does what it does. But uh, initially, the mob was just what it was. They were just protecting their neighborhood. And, and they were they were making some money on the side. Because when the Italians first came here, they were discriminated against the same way everybody else was. So they were smart enough to fucking get their shit together and, and organize some stuff. And, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting, though, where he said when he talks about when he's talking about Polly and how basically, you know, Polly, uh, you know, they're basically the cops for people who can't go to the cops. <laughs> and I was like, well, the reason they can't go to the cops is because they're fucking breaking the law. <laughs> so, I'm like, eh. Oh. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, but still, yeah. Eh, anyway, I guess we can. We do have another movie to talk about. <laughs> it's more of the same, though. So it's more. It's more of the same, but 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 different, you know. Right. Um. Yeah. There, there's lots of great stuff to, to think about this film. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to X. Any things? You, any last thing you want to say about the Goodfellas, sir? Huh? Is he awake? <laughs> 
Sorry, I need to memorize the movie before I can actually get into this conversation. <laughs> no, it's 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 a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Would watch it again. I'd hit it. It'd be good. <laughs> I'd hit great. it. <laughs> I'd hit it. I'd hit that shit. Court. Oh, geez, man, we pretty much covered just about every ground, uh, other than just sitting here and talking about it for another couple of hours just on this this movie alone. I mean, like I, I had said earlier, I mean, it is definitely Scorsese's best, uh, at least for the actual composition of shots and the way that they set up the tracking shots and all of that stuff. It is his best work. Uh, it is what we said, I had actually said earlier, you know, a collection of a variable like who's who of that guy. Italian actors for mob movies, and it's basically a classic. It's not necessarily the greatest gangster movie of all time, but I would say it's probably the most enjoyable for me to watch, the most entertaining, let's put it that way, because you can always have a good time hanging out with these guys when they're just goofing off and, you know, spending the spoils of the blood money that they've been earning off the backs of the people that they've been extorting and uh, running numbers for and everything. Good enough. Jamie? Well, let me tell you. No, I'm kidding. I'm done. <laughs> I fucking love it. I think you can gather that by now. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Dave Z? Well, yeah. I mean, we could talk another hour, I'm sure. I, I know I could. Like, just talking about different scenes we didn't even discuss. And it's so quotable. It's fucking... There's nothing weak about it. Just yeah, The acting is all great. The performances by everybody. I could go on and on. But I won't. It's fucking. It's fantastic. It's a ten out of ten. It, I I adore it. It's you know, I love this fucking movie. Dave loves a ten out of ten. Court, what's your rating on the film, sir? I'm gonna give it a straight up nine. Beautiful. X rating, please. Ten. Ten. Nice. Hey. All right. So X. Ten. Those are those <laughs> are rare from me. So. I would, that's I I know, and that's what wow, surprises me off of off of a single watch. Good, all right, that's awesome. Jamie, ten, ten. It's a ten here as well. It's 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 perfect. You know, there ain't nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, good from beginning. As Willis says, good from beginning to end. I can't do it like Willis. You know, but he he, he loves everything. But I I love this film. <laughs> but uh, next up, uh, did Dave? Dave, Dave said ten. That's, that's okay. a, I didn't. I didn't skip Dave. That's Dave. Oh. He, he he blurted it out. Oh, okay. I, I'll run with that. <laughs> that's true. I'll say one more thing. Every single time I watch this movie, I get pissed off when fucking Lois, the babysitter, says yeah, 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 does her oh, thing, and then she stays God. on the phone. Right? Every oh my fucking God, time, I, I get s- mad at her. I want to <laughs> slap her upside the head. Right? I really do. <laughs> Lois, the babysitter. Oh, that fucking. Ugh. He's like, can you like fucking believe it? Every woman in my life. <laughs> That's my shit. I say it all the time, too. Every. I'm fucking believable. Every woman in my life. <laughs> oh, awesome. Oh, my God. Well, I'm going to grab my lucky hat because I can't fly without it. And we're going to go into uh, <laughs> I would, a prompt. I would set her on fucking fire. I really. I would... <laughs> <laughs> go into a Bronx tale right after this. <laughs>
these years, what have I been telling you? Yeah, I know. Stay in school, get two educations. I know. That's right. This is my life, not yours. This is not for you. No guns. I first met Sonny in 1960. I was nine years old. He was the number one man in the neighborhood. And as I grew, he grew in power. He became a boss. And I was his friend. In a world called the Bronx. Look, I'm your father. I love you. You're breaking my heart. Sonny, trust me. That man can never trust anybody. The sooner you know that, the better. He was caught in a tug of war between his hardworking father. I tell you something to go to school to go to. You don't understand. It's not what you say. It's what he sees. It's the clothes. It's the cars. It's the money. I treat that kid like he's my son. He ain't your son. He's my son. And the man who owned the neighborhood. Don't you trust anybody? No. It's a horrible way to live. For me, it's the only way. Is it better to be loved or feared? I would rather be feared. Because fear lasts longer than love. What was I gonna do? Run away? Make people think I got no heart? I mean, what makes you think you're so special? He'll hurt you like anybody. Sometimes hurting somebody ain't the answer. I know who you are, Sonny, and I know what you could do. This time you're wrong. You don't fool the man's family. So what are you going to do, fight this? Stay away from my son! Robert De Niro, Chaz Palminteri. You worry about yourself, your family, and the people that are close to you. That's what it comes down to. A Bronx Tale. A Bronx Tale from 1993, uh, 7.8 year, 7 year IMDb out of 10. Um, plot synopsis is this, real cheap one again. A father becomes worried when a local gangster befriends his son in the Bronx in the 1960s. Uh, it's, it stars Robert De Niro as Lorenzo, he's the dad. Uh, Chaz Palminteri as Sonny, he's uh, the gangster. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce this guy's name, is it... Is it Leo? Like, like, like you, spell, you see Leo? Help me with his name. Which guy? What are you talking about? The guy who plays Colojo in the movie. Oh, the guy that plays Colojo? Is it pronounced Leo? L-I-L-O? L-I-L-O? Uh, two L's. Oh, ooh, Lilo, I guess. Yeah, I think we're calling that uh, Brancato uh, plays Colojo, uh, older Colojo. Uh, Francis Capra plays him as when he's young. Uh, Terrell Hicks plays Jane. I, I love that character. And there's lots of, lots of other characters that have... Uh, <laughs> Funny name, but Pesci shows up in this film as well, so, but not till later on. Um, written by... Ri- yes, written by Chaz Palminteri. Directed by De Niro, which is yes. awesome. Yes. Yes, good stuff. Crazy man. story about this. You guys, are you guys familiar with this whole, how this whole movie came to be? Oh, go for it, man. Pardon me? Go for it. Tell us. Well, well Chaz Palminteri, he had this as a... Uh, it was on, I don't know if it was on Broadway, but he wrote a screenplay and he acted it out. It was a one-man show. Fourteen people. He played fourteen roles in this thing. And somehow De Niro got wind of it while it was playing, and he approached him and said, "I'd like to make this into a movie." And Chaz actually held out for he he offered him like a seven-digit figure too. And Chaz held out. He says, "I he goes, we could do it, but I want to play um, Sonny. I want to play this role." 
And but this is autobiographical on, on Chaz. These things did happen to him. He did witness the murder on, on the porch, and his father brought him upstairs. And all this stuff. A lot of people thought that De Niro that this was his life story, that it was autobiographical to him because of the whole thing with dating the black girl. Because De Niro is is known for dating black women, so a lot of people thought that 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 had something to do with it, and that it was his story. But this is actually Chaz's story. So Chaz, so De Niro came in. Took him on, and then that was it. That was the beginning of Chaz in movies. Then after that, he had more roles. But and then it was De Niro was, I believe, the first thing he ever directed. Wow, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine yes. anyone else being Sonny because uh, he right? fucking nailed it. Now you can't leave. <laughs> oh yeah, now you can't. Hottest, leave. hottest line in the movie. God damn. Fellas, you're not dressed properly. He's gonna have to leave. Properly? What's wrong with the way we're dressed? What's up? These gentlemen ain't dressed right. I asked them to leave. Is there a problem here? Uh, problem is your man here says we're not properly dressed. Like our money ain't green. We just want a couple of beers. A few beers, that's it. That's it. We'll be on our way. We ain't looking for trouble. Spoke like a gentleman. Give me the beers. Go ahead. I appreciate that. No Got some booze down here. Nice cold ones. Get some nice cold booze. Come on. Two over here, huh? One more. One more over here. One more. All right, brothers. If I may. A toast. To our host. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You again, huh? That wasn't very nice. Now he's got to leave. I'll tell you when the fuck we leave, all right? Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> 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 Go watch the bite. Yeah. I just can't leave. I will never forget the look on their faces. All eight of them. Their faces dropped. All their courage and strength was drained right from their bodies. They had a reputation for breaking up bars. But they knew that instant they made a fatal mistake. This time they walked into the wrong bar. That seems great. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this this one's an emotional one for me because this is one that me and my father, you know, ironically loved together. So we we loved to watch together. You know, my father loved cowboy movies and the Three Stooges and this movie, and we watched this film a lot together. And and, and you mentioned um, Paul and Terry's one man one man show of this and that he wrote. He still comes to Chicago to do it, and I I, I don't want to go. You know, with my my father's no longer no longer with us. It'd be it was ten years ago last year, and I'd feel really funny go, going without him. Let's put it that way, because of the emotional hold that this this story has on me. You know, yeah. It's as far as the father and son goes, and you know, father figure and son goes, and Sonny. It's 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 really not really a rough watch, but it's something I, I watch, and you know, it makes me think of. My father, not in the Dago sense, but, you know, in the fact that, you know, that that relationship is there. But, um, yeah, this film is a, it's great. It's full of great lines. 
is full of great characters. Like you guys mentioned, the panning shot describing all the people. Uh, Jojo the whale is, is a great <laughs> character. If you wait a couple hours, you can actually see him get fatter. Yeah. <laughs> it's rumored his shadow once killed a dog. I love that uh, one. <laughs> uh, who else? Uh, Eddie Mush is, is hilarious. <laughs> the, the the town jinx, yep. you know. <laughs> He's great. They give, him, they give him his tickets already torn yeah, up, you know. We've been mushed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but the, 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 the core story of this is, is amazing. Coffee cake. Coffee cake, coffee cake. <laughs> I don't can't want do coffee cake. I don't want his face looking at his face while he's trying want... to roll the dice. Right. <laughs> Put him in the bathroom. Put him in the fucking bathroom. <laughs> do you think co- coffee cake's face is the result of slash and burn shaving? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I admit it. I stole that from MST3K, but I still love the line. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> no, but the reason why this film is, is so special to me is like it shows from you know. Lorenzo's relationship with his son, how it could turn really fast because of the, I guess, the allure of the neighborhood, his neighborhood hero being Sonny, who was so cool that uh, he had five fingers, but he only ever used three. You know, he used three <laughs> fingers, you know, that that he he fell in love with this hero and it kind of overshadowed his father. And it really shows, in the, especially in, in the scene where, um, you know, he finds out how much money C, he calls himself C because they, they give him that nickname and. I agree with uh, with Jane. I, I don't like them calling him C. He's giving his Italian surname, you know. Uh, they find the money that he's making from from working down at the bar, bringing bringing drinks to the fellas and stuff. And and uh, the scene where he goes down to talk to Sonny about him not wanting to have that money and basically taking his son back, but not really because he's already taken hold of him. And that that that, that scene it hits you right in the old the old core zone, as they say, you know. And, you can't accept that. I didn't give it to you. I gave it to your son. He worked for me. That's right, my son. And I don't want my son involved in what goes on here. Involved in what? What are you talking about? Please, I'm not a stupid man, okay? Please, I'm not stupid. You know what I'm talking about. Just stay away from my son, okay? Hey, well, you stay right over here. See, why don't you go outside? I want to talk to your father. I'll speak to my own son. Claudio, wait outside. First of all, I respect you, Lorenzo. You're a stand-up guy. We're from the same neighborhood. But don't ever talk to me like that again. I tell your son to go to school, to go to college. You don't understand. It's not what you say. It's what he sees. It's the clothes. It's the cars. It's the money. It's everything. He tried to throw away his baseball cards the other day because he said Mickey Mantle will never pay my rent. <laughs> he said that to you? <laughs> That's not funny. Not funny when your nine-year-old kid has a bigger bank account than you do. I offered you a job, but you said no to me. That's right, and I say no now. Just leave my son alone, please. Hey! Don't you see how I treat that kid? I treat that kid like he's my son. He ain't your son. He's my son. He's what? He's my son. Hey, get the fuck out of here. I'm not afraid of you. Well, you shouldn't. I know who you are, Sonny. I know what you're capable of, and I would never step out of line. You could ask anybody in this neighborhood who knows me, but this time you're wrong. You don't fool with a man's family. This is my son, not yours. What are you going to do, fight You me? stay away from my get son. Get out of here before I give you a fucking get slap. You just stay away from my son. Go ahead. I don't care who you are. You stay away from my son. I'm going to to the rest of you. I'm going to leave it to you, Dave. What do you think of the film? No, I, it, it's a great movie. It's, um, yeah, it, it's very emotional, actually. It really is. I mean, maybe not so much when I was younger, but, but watching it nowadays and, and just seeing uh, De Niro and what a great father he is, trying to look out for, for his kid right, right off the bat, it's, um, 
it, it's great. And the whole thing with, you know, with Sonny and how Sonny never really did anything wrong with him. You know, he was just another father figure. And it, you kind of feel bad for Sonny, you know, because he's like, you know, he wants a better life for C. He's like, do this, go to school, get educated here and in school, do your thing. It's like, it's too late for me. But he teaches them a lot of stuff, you know, the whole nobody cares thing and all that shit. And the thing with the Yankees in the beginning. I love that shit. I fucking that that stuff also reminds me of my father. And when he says jerk offs when he's talking about his friends. Like that actually the the sunny character reminds me a lot of my father and, and a lot of the things he says. So um uh, it's it's a really emotional film. And, and what happens towards the end with his friends and, and with Sonny and everything else and just the relationship between father and son and growing up gangster as the show has been labeled. It's um it's it's really good movie. I, the, then later on, when they get into the the racial tensions going on, and uh, I can relate. I can relate because that's me. You know, uh, I was in, in the same boat at one time. So because that that's how it was. I, I wasn't living in Little Italy. That that shit wasn't around. It wasn't like you know segregated like it was in the past. But in my in my school in the area I grew up in, it was predominantly Caucasian, and there was maybe two black kids two Asian kids, and two Puerto Ricans. And that's it. That was like my high school class. So we never even got around anybody else that wasn't Caucasian, not that that much. And me, as I got older, and I started working in different places, you know, and I started dating, uh, you know, black girls. And, you know, I had to deal with some of that and and, and family and and friends and the way it it was perceived at first. So, you know, it's personal for me too. It's almost like it's not racist. It's just almost like the way th- the way they think things are, and you know that that old way of thinking. Even even me sitting with my grandmother sometimes, we we're watching the Miss Universe pageant for no good reason, and she asked me flat out, "I'd be like 15 years old. This was just so long ago. Do I like the Millennials? Flat out, <laughs> I said. Or I say like, yeah, sure, I guess so. She goes, she she kind of gave me a smirk. That's that old school racist Dago coming out of it right there. See, <laughs> oh, that's funny. And I'm, and I'm sure even today, it, it's it's you know frowned upon in certain circles. An Italian dating a black girl. Oh, sure it is. Not everybody comes out and says it, but you know, some people are thinking it. Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, you see that more than any. You see a lot of Italians against black. I don't know why. You see it in different movies, and you've heard of it before. I don't know why it's the Italians specifically that have the most beef over other Caucasians or it's portrayed that way. But that's that's what I grew up seeing. And that's, you know, I'm not going to bullshit. I, I've seen plenty of that in my time. Nowadays, it's kind, a kind of a different world. But back in the 80s when I was a kid, I, I heard many a racial term in my household. So it, in, 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 in case you didn't know, Molina means eggplant in Italian. You get the idea, okay? That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, come on. You ever see the jerk? Yeah, yes. <laughs> this shit's great. He's bored a poor black boy. <laughs> he calls in the moulinians and does that whole fucking thing. Oh, yeah, the vegetables, the rabbits, the jungle bunnies will eat them. Yeah, the, the, the whole fucking thing he gets. God! <laughs> well, that's what he says. And he goes, yes, of course, they'll, they'll eat the eggplants. He's, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's been so long. Yeah. Uh, sir, you are talking. Yeah, you know. You know how it goes. Yes. <laughs> what a great movie. Oh my god! So is this another great movie? Yeah, uh, X. What do you think about the Bronx Tale, sir? I am a French Scots human being. 
I'm not Italian, so I don't have any kind of emotional ties with this movie. This is nothing like how I grew up. So, saying that, let me just say I really enjoyed this movie up until the third act. And the third act, it just lost me because everything happened way too fucking fast. It's like, holy shit, there's a, there's a fucking race riot, and then all of its friends die, and then fucking, you know, Chance Paul and Terry gets killed, and this is one night. This is one fucking night. Yeah. It's like, were we running out of money to had to wind this shit up quick? So, <laughs> so well, that's, I know it's true. It's like he's rushing home to tell Chaz Palminteri how he saved his life and how he saved him from being in the car that got exploded. And right on that very moment, you know, he's running toward him just as he gets shot in the head. I mean, it's all, it's a very, it's, it's so. It's uh, melodramatic. Yes, mm. it is. It is. It's my one knock. The- I agree. I agree. That is my one knock on the film. You almost wish it was like a half hour longer, or they would have yeah. paced that act better, or done something. Because I, I, I'm with you. That's you know, I, I would still have been fine with it being half hour and half hour longer as well. Like I would have been okay with that. I think it needs. You know, you know. At the same time, you know, you you can almost you can almost look into it like everything that's Sunny. Well, the, the combination of what Sonny and Lorenzo tells him, mostly what Sonny tells him about him hanging out with the, with those those dopes. And basically, this is the way you should live your life. Because Sonny, who, one of my favorite scenes of the whole film, is when he's talking, he's giving C advice in the, in the, in the, in the, in the car. And he's driving reverse through the neighborhood because <laughs> he gives no fucks, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> but yeah, you could tell that, that all in one night, all the stuff Sonny says, especially when, you know, he's talking about himself, that it's too late for him. And what Lorenzo says about, you know, they don't love him, they fear him. You know, it all, it all comes to fruition in that that one night, and I think it's not not and like it's very rushed, but it's almost perfect. and kind of bittersweet too. I can see that. I can see that. I guess just watching it from you know, I'm just a guy watching a movie. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, the shit I have in common with my dad was like pro wrestling and Dawn of the Dead. So this is not <laughs> a thing. But anyway, that's 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 my opinion. Really cool the last half hour and then it goes into hyperdrive and then joe pesci shows up he's like the gangster who lived with that scar on his damn head and that was kind of a surprise i didn't expect him to show up no i'd never seen this before either another first time watch so cool cool yeah so yeah i liked it could have been better but it was all right fair enough uh court the main thing that i took away from watching it this time around that i don't think um because it's been quite a few years. I used to watch this a lot in like uh, late, you know, like late nineties, like uh, as a teen. And uh, the thing that I took away from it, it actually kind of fits what the message of the film is with the, the whole thing where everybody keeps telling C, you know, you'll understand one day when you grow up, you know, you'll gr- when you grow up, you're going to understand. And watching it now that I have grown up and you kind of have the less childlike eyes where, you know, you don't necessarily idolize Sonny as much. You can kind of see what Sonny's trying to say, where he's like, I care for you, but this is not the world you want to be in. You know, I'm not this hero you want me to be, but I'm the guy that's here to try and help you out. And you kind of you kind of see, too, like the, that whole dichotomy of the working man's a sucker. No, the, you know, the wise guy's the sucker back and forth that they have that argument. And I think the thing that De Niro has, the, the line about how, you know, you want to talk about brave. It's getting up every day and going to work at a job and, you know, putting in your time and, you know, doing the hard work and earning things the hard way. That's what bravery is. And when you're a kid and you watch it, or at least for me anyway, seeing that part, you're like, yeah, whatever. The wise guy's the way to go, you know? And like watching it now as an adult, I'm like, my gosh, he's right, you know? 
that is the harder life. That is the, you know, that's, that's not the easy money. That's the, that's the route that, you know, that is the real tough guy route. At least that's kind of what I took from it this time. And, uh, it did, uh, the whole way through the film, there were certain parts that are kind of got you right in the feels, particularly the stuff with De Niro and, and C, um, especially the scene where he wants to go down and hang out with, uh, Sonny and his crew in the fight. And they want to go down towards the, the level right, right there, right by the ring. And his father can't afford better seats than what they already have in the nosebleed section. And he just totally like is right off the bat. He's like, yeah, let's go hang out with them. And it totally hurts his dad's feelings. And they have that real like serious moment. And watching that right there, I just I had this kind of like flashback to certain kind of, you know, things like that that would happen with my dad. Not necessarily, you know, I never really actually had an interaction where, you know, hey, dad, these gangsters want us to come sit with us or anything like that. But, (laughs) you know, when you you, (laughs) when you have that moment where you're. You know, you're, you're having a, a discussion with your, your father and, you know, you, you do something or you say something that legitimately hurts his feelings and, like, he admits it to you. And, I mean, my, my old man was a lot like what, uh, what C's dad was like, you know, where he was, you know, you, you put your nose to the grindstone, you keep it clean, and you don't fuck around with any of this kind of stuff. And he still is to this day. And the one time that he's ever kind of admitted any kind of a feeling like that, I was devastated that I made him feel like that. So that scene kind of really rung true for me this time around watching it. And I don't know. I just felt like I should share that. Don't you think C was still kind of a dick about it? Oh yeah, he was. He totally every was. Time he apo- every time he apologized to anybody, he was still really self-protective. Like, I'm very sorry if I hurt your feelings. Well, there's no if about it. They're telling you, yes, you hurt my feelings. You know, man up. Yeah, it's almost like he's saying, I'm sorry, but not really. Yeah, precisely. He's keeping that kind of, nebulous if i heard you still well he was sort of a he was sort of a wishy care wishy-washy character anyway in that in that when her like when jane's brother was getting attacked and he told him like he did try to help in that he told him to stay down and i don't want to hurt you stay down but the manly thing to do would have been to stand up to those fuckers and been like, you know, get the fuck off of him. You know, he didn't do anything to you. But he didn't have balls enough to to face his friends. And, I mean, maybe he would have gotten a beating for it, but sometimes you got to take a beating. I don't know. I mean, if you really believe in something, then you're willing to do that. But he didn't have, you know, he just was this shy of, uh, like being a real man in several scenes. And I think one of those is the exact, the father scene that you were just talking about, you know, where he just was, I still kind of, I didn't like the way he, I mean, I kind of get where he, where he was going with that, but I, I just, I was not satisfied with the way that conversation ended up because I thought it was clear that he hurt his fat, his father. And, you know, I, I was like, God, you're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Because his dad was amazing. He was, such, he was such a good man. And it was clear that he loved him so much. And that scene where he, where he smacked him after, he, oh, went, after yeah. he went down and he was dragging him home. And he smacked him across the face. And then he's talking to him. And then he picks him up. And he's... Sorry. <laughs> he picks him up and he's like, I'm sorry I hit you. I mean, he didn't have to say that. You know, he didn't have to feel bad about that because he was in the right (laughs) but you know he did and you could tell that it hurt him that he actually hit his i mean he's guy he was such a good man it just breaks my heart because he actually reminds me of my dad a lot i think it was written that way intentionally actually you know to resonate with anybody that actually had a a good working relationship you know father son um father daughter i think that's kind of 
how Chaz kind of put it in there, you know? Yeah, and I'm hoping, I mean... I'm hoping for his sake that that is the experience he had with his own father and just looking back and realizing, like, wow, I was an ass. I really should apologize. Because, I mean, I, I've luckily, I got to kind of realize that in my 20s before it was too late, you know? And, and hopefully, you know, after Sonny's death, maybe... Perhaps uh, C got a chance to, it, it seems like that at the end of the film when they're wrapping it up, that C kind of realized all along that, you know, his dad was right and his dad was trying to take care of him. And, you know, maybe there'll be some kind of reconciliation when they're outside of the funeral home right before the, you know, the film actually cuts off and ends. And uh, sorry to bring in all those feel stuff, but, you know, <laughs> that just, that scene resonated <laughs> with me. So I didn't mean no, to. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, yeah. I mean, he, I was, um. I was raised by who's technically my grandfather. He wasn't even really my dad, but um, uh, I called him daddy. Hell, everybody called him daddy. Like all my friends called him daddy. He was just the 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 patriarchal figure, and even though he was like uh, he was southern, so it it was nothing like uh, the Bronx. Um, he grew up in rural Georgia during the Depression, and so because he grew up during the Depression, he had this really strong, powerful work ethic that um that he did his best to instill in me and and I'm I'm grateful for that. I I am very grateful for everything he bestowed upon me as far as that goes. He, he was a hard working man and he was a blue collar man. He worked for the city of Atlanta and uh, you know worked his ass off every day of his life. And um he just was a good man. And so whenever he starts talking about how, you know, the the scene that you referenced where he's talking about how, you know, that that's the that's the real tough guy. And then, you know, when you see him on the bus and and they or when they offer him the chance to make um fifteen hundred a week or a hundred and fifty a week. Okay, yeah, hundred and fifty a week running numbers for him and he turns him down because he's got a city job and he can't afford to lose it. Um if he gets pinched he you know he loses job. It just, that, I don't know, I just, I fall in love with his character right then because he's so, um, he's so grounded and he's so, and he's got such, um, yeah, I don't know. I just kept, I keep thinking how lucky, uh, C is to, to have a father as understanding as he is. And then at the very end when they're walking out of the funeral home and he actually refers to him as C, um, (laughs) I just, I don't know. It gives me the feels. It does. And, um. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a good sign. Yeah, I think the part that it really drives home how good of a man he actually is is when they find the money in C's room. You know, like what six hundred and some odd dollars, and the mother is tempted to keep it because it's you know no one will know they have it and it'll really help them out and they could really use the money. Right. And she's like trying to rationalize keeping it, and the dad's like, "No, this is blood money. This is the wrong thing. We're not teaching our child that this is okay." You know, because they pretty much if they take the money, they're condoning what. He had to, you know, like, even though he was just serving drinks and everything, they're condoning the lifestyle that that money came from. And he took a hard line, like a hard moral stance on this is not the life you were going to have for his son. And he just stuck with it, even when that money was tempting. And you you can kind of see it a little bit in De Niro's face when uh, they're talking about it, where he's considering it because he looks down at the cash. Yeah. And well, then, who wouldn't? You know, who wouldn't yeah. for the for at least a moment consider Yeah, that. but then then he kind of I think he looks over at his son and that's when he's that's the point when he's like, you know, especially that's when it really resonated for me too. I'm like, wow, this is a this is a really stand up guy, you know. What's this? What's what, Dad? Where'd you get this? Your mother found this behind your drawer. It's money that I've been saving, Dad. Six hundred dollars you've been saving? What'd you become a brain surgeon overnight, son? Tell your father where you got the money. 
Dad, I worked for it. Doing what? Things. Things? What do you mean, things? What things? All things, no things. Hey, don't lie to me. Just tell me the truth and I won't get upset. You promise? I'm your father. Would I say it if I didn't mean it? I work the crap games and the class gave me tips. Crap games? What crap games? What crap games? What tips? What crap games? I told you I wasn't going to get upset, Dad. I lied. Now tell me everything. I told you I worked for Sony and they gave me tips. I knew it. Told a thousand times not to go near that bar. But Ma, I worked for it. Well, what do you mean you work for it? You're not supposed to be in that bar. I'm taking this money back. I'm bringing it right back down to the bar. Well, let's just think about this for a minute. What do you mean think about? What are you talking about? Well, I mean we could use the money. It's not like here to do something, man. We could use it, man. We really have the it. Point. You know where this money comes from? I don't want to have that kind of just money. Just listen to me for a minute. Let's just think about this. That's it. Come on. Wait a minute. Oh. Listen to me. I mean, he's like the true good fella, if you will, you know, and uh, he just is like, no. And then he grabs his son hand and his son's hand and just leads him down to confront Sonny. And let's face it, if Sonny was in the right kind of mood, he could have had him killed for that. He chose not to because he likes C. I mean, you know, there wasn't really no love lost between both of these fathers that are competing for, you know, to kind of show C the way to be. It, it's kind of. Yeah, but Sonny, really Sonny respected C's father anyway. I, I think there was they had beef, but. At the end of the day, he respected him for having the balls to stand up to him as well. He's not going to show everybody that, but when he came back and brought the money back and said that, you know, I, I think that there was, there was a mutual respect, even though they weren't friendly with each other. And then he even says that at the end. De Niro says that I never hated you, Sonny. I just, you know, he, he explained himself. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, he was leading his son into a potentially very dangerous life that could be a very course. short and dangerous life. So, right. of course, that's the only issue he really had. It seemed like they might have even been friends. They might. I mean, they say they grew up together in the same neighborhood, so they probably were friends as kids, even. So I think he kind of understood that. But he. But on the other, on the flip side, I don't think that that De Niro knew that Sonny was trying to say because he said he goes, "I tell your son to go to school, to do this, to do that," and you know, I, I know what you think. I know that you think that I'm just having him come in here and and be a runner for us and do this and get involved in this crime. But I'm saying that th- there's two ways to do this: be educated here and do that. I think he wanted to say it. I don't know it's a very emotional film as a as a, as a father talking about myself as a father and as a son and everything else and it really is it's 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 I don't know how many people think of it that way but watching it last night it's it's definitely heavy on the emotion. Yeah. yeah. But there there is there is some really funny stuff in there too that oh, I got to yeah. say that makes me laugh. <laughs> I I mentioned earlier especially the part where um sees chasing down the guy for his 20 bucks or whatever. Oh, best advice ever. And I got to tell you, I still go by that today. I still do. I'm like, you know what? If I lose somebody over 20 bucks, it's like I, it only cost me 20 bucks to get him out of my life. So I do as I do as well. There's people that I, that owe me 40 bucks that I've never seen again. And I'm just, yeah, that's, that's, you got off a, easy. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two pieces of two pieces of advice that Sonny gives that I absolutely actually to this day still follow. Well, the one that I don't technically because I'm married, but the thing about the, you know, you, you unlock the door and let the girl get in the car first. And then I did it. <laughs> if she reaches you, oh, I totally fucking did it, too. Yeah, dude. Actually, when I my current, I always unlock the door, even before this movie existed, I always unlocked the door. That's all right. I'm going to lend you my car. I want you to make a good impression. You borrow my car and then you give it the test. What, the Mario test? Mario. Mario's a fucking psycho. What do you listen to this kid for? 
You give her my test. You give her the door test. What's the door test? All right, listen to me. You pull her right where she is, right? Before you get out of the car, you lock both doors. Then you get out of the car, you walk over to her. You bring her over to the car. You take out the key, put in the lock, open the door for her. Then you let her get in. Then you close the door for her. Then you walk around the back of the car and you look through the rear window. If she doesn't reach over, lift up that button for you so you can get in, dump her. Just like that? Listen to me, kid. If she doesn't reach over, lift up that button for you so you can get in, that means she's a selfish broad and all you're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. You dump her, you dump her fast. Yeah, what about all the beautiful things you just told me, though? Do what my heart tells me to do. It's all that matters. Find someone to pull into myself. I mean, hey, this could be one of the great ones. Bullshit, kid. The door test, that's what counts. You dump her and you dump her fast. Dump her? Dump her. My wife unlocked the door too. Yeah, mine too. That's what I was about to say. Like when uh, <laughs> when we first, you know, when I when I first was driving her anywhere, you know, we, before we were when we were just friends, before we even started dating, I did that thing where I looked through the back of the car and saw her reach over, unlock the door, and I swear I did the same shit that C did. Where I'm like, yes. <laughs> so like th those two things. I mean that that really touches. Now I don't agree that you're only allowed three great women in your life. I don't know where he gets that that rationale from there's some things that he's off like i honestly don't think that it's nobody cares i think it's just one of those things where unless someone is personally involved with you they don't really care right you know and in his world yeah like all the all the gangsters around him sure they don't care but you know c cared well, about he, him it goes along with what lorenzo said the, where he said that you know people don't love him they fear him yep. the fact that Sonny says that people don't care it means they don't know they don't care about him they just go to the motions to you know Make make sure they don't they don't cross him, and he's aware because he's he tells C flat out that he he can't trust anybody. Yeah, well, that's yeah, maybe that's like he he's so devoid of a, of a, of that 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 frame of emotion. He doesn't, he has emotions, just that frame of okay. Well, I'm um, people don't love me, they fear me, but I'm content with that. You know, I just have to watch my back and you know get, keep my guard up. That kind of deal, but it's a sad existence though, because in the end, it, he doesn't trust C even, and C loved him you know like truly truly loved him and he couldn't see that you know it it just um i mean they were close but he in the end when he thought his life was on the line he had no problem believing that c could have done that to him and that is that's really sad well that totally breaks c's heart you can see it too where you know while he's yeah. interrogating there he just he breaks down and he's like why would i ever do that you were like a father to me and you can kind of tell too, like at least maybe I'm just kind of you know throwing some of my own perspective on it, but that's what you do when you watch a movie. But you can kind of almost tell uh, Sonny's character realizes that you know he's kind of crossed a line with C there that you know he's yeah I think he's so not trusting him like that, not you know not believing him that that was the point where you know their relationship would pretty much never be the same. And you know when he does pull him out of the car later and saves his life with that carload of jack offs. Oh my god, those kids. <laughs> And that is one Slicking. that one kid who talks about the pig test. That is a goofy looking motherfucker. <laughs> Slick and crazy Mario. Uh, yeah. And also the pig yeah. test thing. That's that's not really that's not. I don't know if uh, if if somebody actually enjoys having somebody else watching them while they're having sex. They're just a voyeur. They're not necessarily a pig. That's just some fucked up <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> not saying that I'm a voyeur here. Well, you know. Hey, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've I've seen what I look like naked, and I don't want to subject anybody else to that. 
Oh my god. <laughs> is it like Mac and Me? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Dave, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the movies on the videotape. Yep. <laughs> I had that shit. Those old Kodak videotapes with the orange fucking labels. Yep. <laughs> the good old Alex days. always Alex always said whenever he saw his ass. <laughs> Whenever he was naked, it looked like Mac and Me. <laughs> oh, that's right. That random. just cracks me up. <laughs> you know, I've never seen it, so I honestly don't know, but I'll have to get a picture and give a reference and get back to you guys. Oh, you should. <laughs> oh. Oh, God, now that's making me laugh. Okay. Did, did they hit everybody for, for discussion for this so far? Or? I think so. Oh, just going to Dave. Dave, anything else you want to say about Bronxdale? Uh, no, no, it, no. I don't think there's anything else I could add. It's it's a great movie. It's it's fun. It's quotable. It's uh, I think the third act is rushed. Like X said, I, I agree with that. But it doesn't hurt the film that much. That there, there, there's a lot to like about this movie. So yeah, I'm I'm really into it. And if I'm gonna grade it, uh, I'll give it a nine out of ten. Beautiful, uh, Court. Uh, this uh, this movie went uh, directly into my heartstrings and plucked them until they almost broke several times, <laughs> and uh, it's never really had that effect on me it, before. Watching it as a kid, it was always just a fun gangster movie. But you know, I don't know what it was watching it now as an adult that it it really resonated with me. Maybe it's just that I'm that point in my life where I'm looking back and kind of realizing things that I never saw before, and you know, I I can't separate the way that I had that very visceral effect. I I do agree. Uh, the ending of the film is kind of rushed. Um, I think they probably could have at least made it to where it was a different night. Maybe, you know, he deals with the riot stuff. You know, maybe his friends have, you know, they do a little bit of a something having to do with their friends and some police investigation. And then he cools off with Sonny and then comes back and that's when he sees him get shot. You know, just maybe even giving it like 15 to 20 more minutes before that happens and they close out the film. But uh, it's not enough to kind of drop my grade down. I'm going to give this one a nine, too. Uh, Jamie. Ah, uh, man. So many good things here. Uh, one thing I take away from it is if you're a biker, don't fuck with anybody in the Bronx. Like, don't, don't try to be an <laughs> asshole in somebody else's bar, you dick. Um, I just can't leave. <laughs> and you know what? That's what they deserve. You know, yep. he, gave, he and I love the look on his face when they, when they started spraying beer on, uh, on the bartender and he's, uh, or, you know, the owner. Uh, when they started spraying beer on him. And you could see Sonny's face like, motherfucker, you know, I gave him a shot, I gave him a chance, and then they fucked it up, you know, and I love that, just that. And then we get that scene, the scene I was talking about, or, you know, the example of a scene that I was talking about where the guys are coming from the back with baseball bats and they're like, motherfucker, like, we're going to fuck you up. And I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, favorite, favorite scene in the whole movie. I love it. Uh, all, all, all to the Ten Commandments of love, you know. Oh I yeah, love, nice. Yep. I absolutely love the part and where that one biker gets away and starts running down the street, and then the yes. fucking people in the neighborhood start beating his ass. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Sonny's line where he's like, "Ruin my whole fucking lunch." <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's some good shit. I did. I loved it, and and I also love. I didn't talk about Sonny a lot. I mean, talked about Lorenzo, but uh, with Sonny. I love him. I I, I think that uh, he has a, there are a lot of good things about him. At the same time, he uh, he's got a lot of issues, you know. Um, but and it kind of bothers me the way he comes at Lorenzo, or, or the way he doesn't seem to um, uh, like when Lorenzo comes to him. I mean, like a man, you know, like a like Lorenzo should by all I 
by all accounts, be terrified to stand up to Sonny the way he does. And he just comes to him like a man and he's like, stay away from my son. This is my son. And he's not your son, you know, and respect that. And, you know, Sonny kind of treats him like a bitch. And I, I, I know that, that there isn't a certain amount of respect there, but I don't like the fact that in front of other people, he runs him down. Like, I, I, I feel like I would have more respect for Sonny if he had been a little more respectful toward Lorenzo at that moment. You know, um, but, you know, whatever. The, the, he does have some good advice that he gives. Overall, um, I really like him, and I love Chaz Palminteri in this role. Um, anyway, um, I have to say I agree with X, though. Like, when you get to the end, it just all looks like, bam, 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 like, here we go. And I would have been perfectly happy to spend more time with these characters to if they had been willing to stretch it out a little bit longer to give it a nicer flow. I wouldn't have been upset by that because I love being with these characters. This is a place I love to be. So um, the fact that they do sort of rush it at the end um, not only makes it a little bit unbelievable and a little bit overly dramatic, but it, you know, it kind of hurts me a little bit because I'm not ready for it to be over. So um, I'm going to have to say uh, a nine as well. I'm just going to have to knock it down a peg just for that. Great. Uh, X. Your, rating, your uh, final thoughts and rating, please. Why am I always the asshole on this show? You are not an asshole. <laughs> you have your, your opinion. I'm always the asshole. And some, many folks have emotional ties to this film, and that kind of helps our review I res- be better, I guess. I, res- I respect that. <laughs> this, movie is, this movie is good. It's better than all right. Um, it's better than bad. It's good. <laughs> I, I would give it a, I give it a seven. Okay. Uh, Court. I already gave it a nine, man. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, me, myself, like I said, <laughs> get the feels, like you guys mentioned this whole episode, the feels all over this fucking film. And, uh, um, it, 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 it's gonna affect my score, which, which is easily a nine out of ten. It, it, I, I give it a ten, but I have to I chop it off just to, just from what we've been talking about, the little, the little nuances, the, the, the small, small, small flaws in this film. Um, but yeah, Emotional Hurricane, known as a Bronx Tale, is pretty pretty glowing reviews, especially X being his, his first time view. But um, I believe these uh these kids in the streets uh past Webster Avenue, of course, <laughs> and will um go in, come back, and close out the show. Black Anis Horror Podcast, the podcast that will change your life forever. Repetition of the repetition. Is that a word? That is now a word. Intense. Zero whatevers. So insightful that you will question your place in the universe. You just said you wanted to see somebody stab a fish. Mind blowing. That is not what. That's not. No. Inspiring. It's one of two things all the way through either predictable or stupid. Life changing. This is going to be filled with spoilers. Black Anis Horror Podcast. Exclusively available on the Legion Podcast Network. It's almost like a little advertisement. Yeah, the advert makes it sound so promising. One dark and stormy night in the mid-80s, Joe Bob Briggs, Harlan Ellison, and the ghost of El Santo pulled a train on Elvira while Siskel and Ebert sobbingly masturbated in the corner. 
from that union arose the greatest movie critic and luchador that ever lived. But we're not going to talk about him. He's kind of a dick. Instead, we're going to talk about me, El Goro, the stuttering movie fan and host of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Every week on Talk Without Rhythm, I discuss two to three movies tangentially tied together by a theme. I cover action. And the most complete fighter in the world. Sci-fi. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Horror. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. And the continuing adventures of James Spader, sexual deviant. You're not worried that I'm going to fuck you, are you? I'm not interested in that, and I'm waste. Now pull up your skirt. So check me out at TWORpodcast.blogspot.com, drunkenzombie.com, or subscribe on iTunes. Talk Without Rhythm, the only podcast that will not attract the world. Adios! Once there was a show called the Not-So-Evil Episode Sidecast. It was a long name, Batman. No one could ever remember it. They released 25 episodes of brilliant film criticism. And like that, he's gone. Now, six months later... We're back! I didn't know we were gone. We've got a brand new name, new movies to review, but the same old attitude. Foul language and obscure references? Count me in! Each episode, we pick a topic, watch four movies related to that topic, then bicker amongst ourselves to decide which film is the best. We're the theme warriors! Join Iris, Jeffrey X. Martin, Doug Tilly, and myself for Theme Theme Warriors. Warriors. Four people, four movies, one dynamite show. Catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Horophilia Network of Podcasts, as well as the Legion Podcast Network. That's the Theme Warriors! Don't want to sleep no more! Who are you people? Thank you, Dave and Court, for uh, coming out of the show. Really appreciate the, uh, the the conversation. I think it went pretty well. Oh, I had a blast. I'll come back anytime. Yeah, same here. Thank you. It reminded me of Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, of course, since you're new to the show, uh, well, new, new on the show, you've listened to the show before, uh, push your stuff and tell the folks where they can find you. Uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, Cinema PsyOps. We also have a group there as well. Um, you can search us out right there. I'm on uh, Facebook as Court PsyOps. You can tweet twits at me or just follow me like a stalker silently and never respond to anything. Court underscore PsyOp. And you can also reach me, uh, court, uh, Cinema PsyOps Court at gmail.com. Uh, of course, we are in iTunes and Stitcher. I do believe we're also in the Google Play. And for some odd reason, Spotify will not return any of my emails. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll tend to do that, I guess. Though. So I think you, ha- they're, they're you have to be on one of their like uh, selected providers to be able to get in there, which I am not, and I'm not going to fight with it. Gotcha. Bastages. Bastages. <laughs> Bastages. Stop farging with my rights in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> was that it? Was that Irish? Oh, well, I can't help it. <laughs> I'm married to a. I'm married to a, pretty much ninety five percent Irish woman. Is she a ginger? No, no, she's black Irish. <laughs> okay, that's what they refer to for the dark haired Irishes. Oh, I'm aware. Okay, <laughs> I never Just, heard that before. Wow. Oh, you never heard that before? Black Irish? No. Yeah, that's oh. yeah. Wow, interesting. I'm gonna use that on a so uh, uh, an Irish girl that has dark hair. It's called black Irish. Um, uh, anyone that's uh, Irish and has dark hair, they refer to them as black Irish. 
I don't know if that's a slur or not, so you might want to be careful. You might oh. want to do a little fact-checking on that. Okay, maybe I won't. Okay. <laughs> but that's how my wife has referred to herself before, so I think it's okay for me to use it for her. <laughs> true, true, right. But, yeah, what, what's, what's said in the home about somebody's own race isn't always appropriate to be said outside the home about the same race. Yeah, I'll probably have, like, a bunch of Irish people, like, <laughs> find me and beat the hell out of me for that. Maybe. Who knows? With our shillelaghs and, and potatoes. <laughs> It's possible. Oh, my God. Dave Z, hey, yo, tell the folks where they can find your stuff. All right. You got all my shows up on com, Exploding Heads Horror Podcast, and lucky me, I get to hang out with Jamie a shit ton over on the Skeleton Crew and on the ABC's of Hidden Horror. And there we are. And you can find me on Facebook. I don't care. Dave Zendano. That's <laughs> you know, I'm I'll... the lucky one. No, my ass. I get to work with a legend. Are you kidding me? He's lucky. She's lucky. We're all lucky. (laughs) (laughs) I had to do it. I'm sorry. Very good, Gary. (laughs) Jamie. Yes. Um, Well, uh, I'm on Skeleton Crew and the ABCs of Hidden Horror, but you've heard about that. Um, (laughs) uh, You can also find me on Devour the Podcast and Evil Episodes, where we do some TV talking abouts. And, um, I don't know. Hmm? What about the new show with with Brian? Oh, yeah, Dark Regions Radio. Thank you, Dave. Um, yeah, uh, which is a literary podcast where we, uh, talk about, uh, we interview authors and I do readings of short stories of said authors that we've interviewed. So that's a fun thing. Uh, you can, uh, email me if you like at maven1974 at gmail.com. And you can find me on Facebook and on the Twitters, um, also under Maven1974. X. You can find my like daily writings, articles, and stuff over at popshifter.com and at dirgemagazine.com, both worthwhile of your time. Um, you can also find my horror fiction on Amazon. As far Where he as writes that. about hymen hairs. Sometimes. That does happen. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, that was just a, it was a weird typo, man. I was writing this thing today, and I said thinner. I was supposed to be thinner than human hair, and I typed thinner than hymen hair. I don't even <laughs> think they have hair. <laughs> That's funny. You know, well, if, if they, they did, it would be awfully thin. It'd be ingrown, is what it would be. Um, <laughs> Ew, ouch. Let's see podcasts. Of course, you get to listen to Kiss the Goat with me and Cootie. All about devil movies. There will be a new episode someday. I promise. Um, I'm also on Guilty as Charged, the Night Stalker retrospective with. Gil Rakitansky and Nudie. I'm on Theme Warriors with um, Doug Tilly, Mike Merriman, and Iris. And sometimes people just have me on their shows, and I don't even know why, but that's still cool. Oh, and I'm on this show, too, so you can listen to this. And you can follow me on Facebook at Jeff X Martin, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey X Martin, and you can follow me in your car, home. Will do. Not creepy at all. <laughs> Oh, I forgot to mention, oh. I also have Geek Chat Army. Yes, you do. Also on Facebook, and you can reach that podcast at feedback.geekchatarmy at gmail.com. And it's also in uh, iTunes and Stitcher. We also have a Facebook group for Geek Chat Army. Oh, boy. Yeah, me, myself. You can find me here, hanging out amongst more intelligent people on the Cinebeef Podcast. Myself excluded. Can, yeah, who knows? <laughs> Uh, also on our commentary show, two drink, two drink minimum commentaries, minimum commentaries when we put those out. 
Like I said, that uh, one with Willis's birthday show should be out very soon. Hopefully, we can do more bad movies later on. Myself, X, and whoever else wants to come on, you know, because that Urshel Gordon Lewis show was a hoot. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Find me on Twitter at GW. Come join the Sin Facebook group. Uh, you're very welcome there. Unless you're selling sunglasses or spamming porn, <laughs> you, can, you, guys, you guys can go somewhere else with that shit. But I'm, I'm fine with you otherwise. Tell them how they can win prizes, G Dub. You you can win lots of prizes. You can win uh, uh, a mystery date with X, where, where he'll he'll wear nothing but a, a, a speedo and, and and rubber boots. What do you I know? have to do to win that heads. one? <laughs> Don't forget the booby tassels. But uh, yeah, um, you have to you have to learn to walk fourteen small dogs all at once to win that prize. I'll work that, on that it. could be a okay. Gotcha. <laughs> no, but I, I have several. I I, I peruse. Uh, conventions often. I'll be going to one shit in like a week. A week from this weekend, I'll be going to one. And uh, at those collection, at those conventions, I collect autographs. And I have collected some extra autographs, including a Danny Trejo autograph, a Jeffrey Combs autograph, uh, a couple I will divulge later. But one, I guess that the big, the big prize people had their eyes on. At least I hope they have is one that I picked up at. Uh, the Broken Lizard Comedy Show. It's, it's it's signed by all f- five of those guys. So if you love Super Troopers, if you love Club Dread, if you love those kind of films, this could be a nice uh, keepsake for you to have to hang on your wall because they're all real autographs and they're all real cool dudes. If you ever go out to the Broken Lizard Comedy Show, they're all they're all great dudes and it shows on screen and they're uh, pretty awesome fellas. Uh, but all you got to do, do do that is to go. I forgot. I'm on Sloppy Seconds as well, the movie sequel podcast. I just Jamie Jenkins that shit. You see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I did. You can go right and review that show, Sin Beef Podcast, or Two Drink Minimum Commentaries That's right, at I'm iTunes. Yes, you are a verb, yes. <laughs> it's the word love. I'm, I'm going to do that, see? Um, come right and review us on iTunes. Any three of those shows, or all three of those shows, the more you rate right and review us, the more chances you have to win, essentially. One of these, like I don't know, ten or so items. We get we get the, some good amount of reviews in there. I'll uh, pull your names out of a hat. I don't know if I have a hat laying around, but maybe like a metaphorical hat, and uh, you can have first pickings at whatever one you want, basically. So, I like that, huh, guys. Uh, free, free shit coming your way. Those are my favorite kinds of hats. Yes, indeed. Metaphorical hats. Are most hats bad ideas, X? Oh, what? Are most hats bad ideas? No, most hats are not bad ideas, but I like metaphorical ones better. <laughs> okay. Because there's that sense of existential dread about the hat. <laughs> but all you got to do is come right and review us on iTunes. Really easy thing to do. And if you, if you like us, that is, you can give us a, a five-star review. If you don't like us, you can give us a one-star review. It won't hurt my feelings because I know I'm a hack. I hurt these guys' feelings, I'm not sure. But uh, if you guys do that... You guys can win a really cool prize to uh, as a keepsake to hang on your wall, and uh, yeah, real simple like. But um, I'll leave it at that. Maybe I'll uh, literally cried actual tears talking to you, Jenkins. But I am mad at you. You know, got to show your feels sometimes. But <laughs> always remember, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. Said he was right. The Wilker man is a, is a sucker, Dad. He's a sucker. He's wrong. It don't take much strength to pull a trigger, but try and get up every morning, day after day, and work for a living. Let's see him try that. Then we'll see who's the real tough guy. The working man is the tough guy. Your father's the tough guy. But everybody loves him, just like everybody loves you on the bus. It's the no. same thing. No, it's not the same. People don't love him. They fear him. There's a difference.
understand that. It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old but unhappy like you are now and I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on but take your time think a lot why think of everything you've got for you will still be here tomorrow but your dreams may not explain when I do he turns away again it's always been the same same old story from the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen now there's a way and I know that I have to go away I know I have to go change just sit down take it slowly you're still young that's your fault there's so much you have to go through find the girl settle down if you want you can marry look at me I am old but I'm happy I have to go